Welcome back to the next episode of Ranked. We are here, you know, a week or so after the Oscars to break down one of the categories, infamously uh, one that these two co-hosts would probably hold highest of honors, and that is the best animated film. We just discussed Encanto winning uh, against its four adversaries uh, just a mere weeks ago. And it is now joining the roster of the other 20 previous winners of this relatively new category. And to help break it down, we have our pop topic co-host, uh, really the, the king of animated films, uh, Tristan. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Don't quite know if I'm the king of animated films, more so just I... a big old fan of them, that's for sure. So I'm really excited to discuss some of the, the, the 21 a, uh, or at least the 21 movies at the Oscar seems to be the best 21 animated films. And I guess we'll, the three of us here today, will give our opinion on that. Yeah, I'd and, like to challenge you for that title. But I think I put up a good fight at least. Yeah, I was going to say, the, okay. the real challenger here would have to be Trex here as well, who's joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing good, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this category because i I have some thoughts yeah it's funny because you were the only two i've done like a solo animated ranking with tristan with pixar and trex with studio ghibli so we're full forces here for animation i'm in full circle who's biting the bullet and doing the blue sky one with them or the illumination one the real (laughs) worst one well i can answer that one Uh, trex and i are going to do the illumination in a few months oh thank god (laughs) although i think i've already seen every illumination movie I have not. I just I fell off their studio around like I think it was well Secret Life of Pets one was like the last one I saw, so now I have to rewatch all of them and oh geez. Yeah, that was the nail in the coffin for you, Secret Life of Pets. Just wait until you see the second one. (laughs) I actually liked it as a kid. I just I grew up and I just stopped caring. Yeah. The second one is significantly worse. It's brutal. Yeah, well we'll get into that into the uh obviously it did not win Best Animated Film, Secret what? Life of Pets 2. In fact, no Illumination movie has ever won a Best Animated Movie, so yeah. Best Animated Picture. And that might be the Academy's highest honor. It really is. Like, it really shows at least the Academy hasn't lost all their sense. They're like not even nominated anymore, Illumination films. No, I think was this big movie the only one ever nominated? I think Secret Life of Pets got one, too. Ah, oh, did it? I don't think the Lorax got it. That'd be fun. Oh, I feel the Lorax probably did. It's not too hard to get nominations in this category because a lot of the years aren't that many even made. But if you're made by a big production studio, you're probably going to nom. Yeah, I think the checkbox for the Academy nowadays is just, is the animated film in English? Yes? Okay. Okay, we'll throw it on. All right. Who, who's paying us the most money? Yeah. <laughs> That's part of the checklist. Yeah. Who owns ABC? Okay. All right. We'll throw it there as well. Uh, well, we have 21 winners over the only the last 21 years. Uh, it's been a relatively newer award. If this came out a year earlier, we all know the first winner would have been Emperor's New Groove, but unfortunately, that's not the case here. It would have been. <laughs> I feel like actually, you know, no the Academy, they would have probably given to freaking dinosaur or something stupid. Oh yeah, they would pick dinosaur. You're right. Yeah, I feel like true. if this was done way earlier, it'd just be the Disney movie every year still. Well, it's been the Disney Renaissance. For all the 90s, it's been the Disney Renaissance films, right? Yeah. Which uh, honestly would have been pretty think, worthy. The, the Renaissance are pretty good. Most of, yeah, most of them would have been worthy, though, is the thing. Yeah. 
my guess is that Toy Story was like the one that encouraged them to like make this category in the first place. Yeah, that's true. Toy Story probably would have won ninety five. Is which Renaissance came in ninety five? That was Hunchback, right? Think so. I think it was Hunchback, which wouldn't have won over Toy Story. I think Toy Story would have been any. Oh, Hunchback's ninety six. No, no, isn't Toy Story the same year as Lion King? Lion, was that ninety five? I thought Lion King was ninety four. Yeah, Lion King's 94, so it was in between Lion King and Hunchback. Oh, yeah, 94, 94, yeah. It wasn't, no, Rescuers Down Under was 93. Yeah, Rescuers was earlier. I like how we're debating what would have won during a time when the category didn't even exist. That's right. It's the deep dive where everyone's looking for. Let's discuss what would have won in 19... Pocahontas, it was freaking Pocahontas. Oh, yeah, because it came out right before Lion King, that makes sense. No, right after Lion King. Right, right, right. And Toy Story would have beaten it. But Goofy Movie also came out that year, so that would have been its real competition. Man, that would have been a tough category. But um, and maybe that's why they didn't have the category back in the 90s and further. Obviously, there were more than five movies being made that were animated, but there weren't really, like, five animated films that people talked about every year. And, like, roughly by the 2000s is when there was more companies like DreamWorks that jumped in with Shrek. So there was more movies of discussion so they could have a roster of five to nominate yeah but looking at the winners you'd never know that there's like yeah. more than <laughs> two would you would think it's just disney still it's as if it's the 90s yeah at least in the first 10 years of this category being a thing six of them weren't disney and then after that only two have not been disney since i mean four of them weren't and ever since only two of them have not been disney yeah in the past like 11 years so it's been Mostly Disney and Pixar sweeping it for years. Yeah, it's been a little unbalanced. But, you know, we'll see which of all the films, whether it's Disney or not, we think is the best. Do you guys want to jump right into the list and start with the worst film, according to, you know, the three of us, uh, me and the two kings of animation? All right. Let's let's jump right on in. Yeah. Uh, One thing to note, which was incredibly interesting, is of the 21 films, we have a tie with 13 of them. Ooh. There was a lot of ties in this. So we're, we're very, which I guess is kind of fitting, right? We're very much in the air with a lot of these movies because a lot of them are pretty good. It was kind of hard to say many of these were downright bad. But we can move on to number 21, which is tied with number 20. And ironically enough, it's the two that I would say are the only actually bad winners we've gotten from the 21 movies i'm glad both of you guys relatively agreed with me here but at 21 we're starting off with a non-disney film and that is happy feet happy feet yeah so uh tristan's the highest on it me and trex have it at 21 and tristan has it at 19 i haven't rewatched this one in years Probably in close to a decade, so maybe I should have. But I have just recently, as of like last summer, played the Happy Feet GameCube game. And so I'm kind of going off that. And I put it about 19 out of 20. Is it, how's the game? Not very good. It's, it's, there's only three different like levels, and you just keep redoing them, basically. One's a swimming thing, where you swim through the rings like Superman 64 style. One's just like a uh, a dancing mini game where it's basically DDR but with a joystick, and then the other one's just like sliding down a hill, and you keep redoing those three different game styles for about like twenty to twenty five levels, I think. 
All right, I think that's all we need to know about the movie. Let's yeah, move on. That's pretty much the movie as well. Give the video game a 19 out of 21, okay, according to this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think, like, it. I, I, I remember rewatching it, like, two years ago. And I was I was thinking about rewatching it for this, but I was like, do I want to be known as the guy who logs Happy Feet twice? <laughs> and I, I just couldn't do it. Uh, but, like, I remember it's a bad film, but it's not bad in the way that, like, a bland, like, Blue Sky or, like, Illumination film is bad. It's just, like, it's weird. It's bizarre. But it's kind of unique to think about, you know? Yeah, honestly, if this wasn't about music, I might have liked him more. So I, I don't need to see uh, animated penguins dancing their feet to some songs I've never heard of. I don't think I've heard of a single song these penguins sing. That's more of a knock on myself than the movie, but like, I, I don't know any of these songs that they decided to choose. They picked a terrible roster of songs. If you don't got any good music, what's even the point of having a musical? But I, I don't know. I, I, I think the movie is pretty terrible. I kind of like the absurdity of every 20 minutes they kind of just go you know what we're done with this story we're writing a new movie now because it really feels like a different movie every 20 minutes like if i was watching it for five minutes went to go eat some food and go to the washroom come back 20 minutes later and it would be a totally different movie with the same main character like it's wild how it's like a dancing movie then he goes gets chased by a seal then he goes to like a zoo then there's aliens. Then there's a dude that has like garbage around his neck, can see the future. Like, I don't, like, this whole movie is on acid, which is normally a good thing, but it's mostly just very dull. Like, it's not that exciting. Most of the characters are kind of unlikable, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, it's fine. So many twists and turns with the plot. It still manages to be surprisingly boring. And yeah. I think that's the film's biggest weakness. And it doesn't keep me engaged at all. I never really feel like I care for any of the characters. I never thought why they kept the main character having the weird her. Uh, I think the only argument I heard is so you can tell which one's the main character. Well, then you've poorly designed your main character. You have to make him look stupid in order for you to recognize him. Uh, you know, I, I never really cared for, for a lot of what's going on in Happy Feet. I put it third last instead of dead last because at least it was taking risks. I felt they at least swung for the fences and they whiffed most of those swings, but at least they tried. I'm like the two of them. Yeah, like. I think Quinn really nailed it on the head. Like, at some parts, it's like a nature documentary. Other parts, it's like a musical. Other parts, it's like a religious allegory. And other parts, it's like inconvenient truth. Yeah, critiques on global warming. And it it, it tries to tackle a lot of issues and a lot of subjects, but only kind of dipping its toes in each one without really, you know, making any sort of statement or doing anything with it. Yeah, like they needed to pick a lane and just like, okay, we're going all nature doc we're going all global warming commentary i think we picked one because i actually like a, a couple aspects of it like i like that it's not like cartoonified penguins like yeah that makes the designs kind of boring but i do kind of like how it has a more realistic style of animation and that's it that's all i like <laughs> rise to do a lot of the things that this movie does but this does a better theme movie and I feel that's where this one really fails with comparison. Sorry, what movie? At least the B movie. At least B movie is like a hell of a lot more interesting and memorable. And it's consistently the... entertaining. The B movie never stops being entertaining, if nothing else. The Happy Feet barely starts to be entertaining at any point. 
Hold on, you're kind of just blowing my mind here. You're right. It is is literally just a terrible B movie. Yeah, it's just a bad B movie. It's a B movie without Jerry Seinfeld writing all the yeah. jokes. Where like, like B, because like B movie is like also like all of these different movies. Like at one point it's like yeah. a courtroom drama. Other points it's like a, a global warming thing. Other times it's a rom com right. between a bee and a woman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. Where the B movie, just like Happy Feet, is like six stories crammed into one film. But unlike Happy Feet, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious that it's six Jerry, stories. Jerry Seinfeld was able to do what George Miller was not able to with Happy Feet. Yeah, somehow it wasn't nominated for an Oscar? What? Yeah, uh, you know, Trex is the one that's going to hold the stats here, but I don't know what movie beat out B-Movie, because that was fucking bullshit. B-Movie's the best. When did B-Movie come out? I think 09, so I think it was Up, which is oh, okay. pretty tough to beat with, but... <laughs> But for this year, um, I'm looking at the list. You got... Oh, wait. Do you know what year B-Movie came out? What? Uh, oh, I was looking at like... 2007. Wait, B-Movie oh, then. came out the same oh, year no. as Happy Feet? Wait, no. That's what it came out the year after. Okay. Yeah. No, um, but for this year, which is 2006, right? It's... It faced off... Happy Feet faced off against Cars and Monster House. What do you guys think? Honestly, wow. none of the three are overwhelmingly fantastic. Is it weird that I'm probably giving it probably Monster House? Yeah, I was gonna say I'd probably give it to Monster House, but I feel like, like the animation yeah. style was the yeah. most unique, and they uh, I felt like it actually did stuff with the story and like the old guy and stuff. Cars was a sort of mid tier Pixar, and Happy Feet just never really made sense to the film. It kind of just went all over the place. Yeah, that's I mean, fair. Yeah, I probably would give it to Monster House as well, but Monster House would probably be like number eighteen on my list. So it was not it was not a great year. None of these three are fantastic. It was overall a weak year for anime. You look at this year, and like every year, there's like usually like one movie you can point to and be like, "Yeah, that was a great animated film." Here, it's like, I mean, I guess if you go outside America, there was Paprika, which I would say should have won, but like oh, yeah. in terms of this. These nominees, I'd probably say objective quality, probably Monster House, but I don't know. I think Happy Feet winning is is kind of it stands out like a sore thumb in comparison to all the other just Disney movies, and I kind of like that. Yeah, Monster House would too, though. Fair enough. Yeah, I would rather Happy Feet than Cars win. I'm glad Cars isn't in this pantheon of Pixar films. No, no. All three have been nominated, but none of them won. Oh. Wait, no, Cars 3 was not nominated. Cars 3 was not nominated. Wait, but that means Cars 2 was? That's the one. You know, Cars 3 is better than Cars 2. Oh, wait, Cars 2. Cars 2. What the fuck am I talking about? Cars 2 was also not nominated. Oh, okay, okay. So just Cars. (laughs) I don't know what I'm talking about. No, that's all good. I guess Tristan's keeping the king status of animation. Shit. Wait, you can look at, like... Of the 2000s, the only times Pixar was nominated and didn't win was Cars, and then, of course, Monsters, Inc. Every other time Pixar was nominated, it won. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert for the rest of the list, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert. We're going to be talking a lot about Pixar. Yeah, this is basically, yeah, (laughs) me and just doing a Pixar ranking again. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to be the same podcast. But one other thing I need to say about Happy Feet, because it drives me nuts. Uh, His father... Mumble's father. I have what's his name? Memphis. Mister Mumble. Mumble? Mister Mumble. No, Mumble's the son. Uh, the father. I think it's Memphis, right? 
I don't know, some Hugh kind Jackman? of Jackman. Yeah, I love that a, a, a bird that lives in Antarctica is named after a town. And and like what Tennessee? Like why is it named after a? Maybe I'm wrong. City? I thought it was some douchey Texas city. They live in Antarctica. Yeah. Now, whatever his name is, like, he's the worst. He's literally the one that drops the egg because he was too busy bopping to a song while carrying m- Mumble and the and the egg. Drops the egg, and then I guess dropping the egg means that now he dances funny. And then he's like, "What the fuck's wrong with you, son? You're you're not like acting like a normal person." He's like shitting on the son for being a piece of shit. He's the one that dropped the fucking egg. Like, what's his deal? He he literally the entire movie. He is literally. Just a giant piece of shit. Like, I don't like this guy at all. Worst father of the year. Yeah. Mumble never well, bought him it. a number one dad mug. That's for sure. Uh, one more thing I'd like to mention. Lo- I love Robin Williams. This is not his best movie. This is not his best movie, and it is his best movie, because he plays two different people. Oh, oh boy. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> one of them is a godlike performance, and the other... Would win like a Razzie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he could have been nominated for both. It would have been pretty worthy. Wait, what other movie did he nominated this year for? No, no, no. He played two characters in this movie. Oh, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. I think he played like the cult leader one and like the one of the annoying stereotype ones. Yeah, he played one of the like side Mexican penguins, and then he played the the guy that could see the future with the garbage around his neck. Right. Yeah, and obviously the Mexican one would get the Razzie, and then the godlike penguin would get the uh, the Oscar. All right, what's the second worst movie on our list? (laughs) Tristan's like, uh, Robin Williams wasn't in the video game. I'm fucking done with this conversation. Yeah, look, (laughs) I love my boy Robin Williams. Let's let's move this list on. (laughs) We've been here a while talking about Happy Feet. You know, I could bang on Happy Feet all day, but we can move on to number 20, which uh, is also my 20th least favorite, and that is going to be Brave, which... Uh, you know, we're following Trex and I's list here. We both have it at 20, and Tristan has it at 21. Yeah, none of us liked Brave, eh? Yeah. Oh, well, I, I, need to, I need to get this right off the bat here, because we keep talking about how me and Tristan did a Pixar ranking. I put Brave real high on my Pixar. Yeah. I, well, not real high. I what? put higher than I did. Why? Well, we did this Pixar ranking a couple of years ago, first and foremost. This wasn't anything yeah, it was, it was about two and a half years ago, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I like the first, like, third of Pixar, of Brave a lot. Uh-huh. Um, maybe, like, the first, like, half. And then it just shits a brick. And, and I, I think that, that the fact that I liked parts of it so much and really hate parts of it kind of got wonky in my rankings. And, you know, slipped the cracks. It was, like, what, 13th on the list? It wasn't top 10 or anything, but it was, it was higher than probably should have had it. But here, I corrected myself. I put it dead last, which after that, I'm thinking about it, I probably should have swapped it with the one I have above it. I think I like Brave more than the one I have above it. But I don't like it as much like Happy Feet. I mean, I already know how much I like Happy Feet. So I don't like it that much. Did you play the Brave game? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. And that, that could change my opinion here. That would have been hilarious if there was a bit where Tristan played every one of these video games and that's what he was ranking. I think the yeah. only other one I played is... There's Toy Story 3 I for sure played. Incredible. I played that game. Oh, I love yeah. that game. Toy Story 3 was a good one. Shrek 2, oh. but that didn't win. That was only nominated. Yeah, Shrek yeah. 2 Shrek 2 slap. is a good game. That would be that's pretty high on the game. list. 
Yeah, I was absolutely blown away when Tristan sent me his list and had Brave at the bottom because I specifically remember Tristan telling me how wrong I was for having Brave in the bottom of my Pixar ranking. And he had it, I believe, 12 it was. Yeah, was like, these are very different lists, though, Quentin. The only one I should have put above is the one I had above. Okay, yeah. But you had it above half of the other Pixar films that's on this list. No, I didn't. You had it higher no, than you had it higher than Inside Out, Coco, and I believe Finding Nemo, right? Yeah, Coco and Inside Out, I probably for sure would have. Finding Nemo, I don't think I would have at the time. I think I Finding Nemo lower now than I did. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was I was blown away, but I'm glad I converted Tristan. A uh, brave really is an absolute disaster. I just found out recently. Um, I was listening to a podcast where they were breaking down the Pixar films and they were talking about Brave. And I didn't know this. I'm, you know, I'm sure Trex does. But did you guys realize that this film was directed by a female director and then halfway through the film, they dropped her and they had someone else make the film? Did she do yeah. the first or second half of the film? <laughs> I, I would guess I, she did the first half, maybe. I'm just guessing. But I think you can tell I, that. Yeah. I was actually thinking of bringing that up. Um, no, like they had a woman director on and I think she also directed Prince of Egypt. Oh, wow. Um, but because I don't know if you like Pixar is like, it was like a really like sexist plate workplace. Like you look at all the stuff that the, it's just like really horrible stuff. I guess they, they wanted to work with this female director, but I guess her vision was a different, I guess. And like, you look at the movie she was going to make, and I'd say it's like it sounds a hell of a lot better than what we got. But yeah, no, it's just I don't think it's a very good movie. I think this movie would have been fine, I think, if it were not for the bear. I think the bear mm-hmm. just kind of makes it a lot. It kind of makes it lose its potential that it had. Yeah, and... the bear really sucked a lot of air out of the balloon, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I also think just the main, what's the main girl's name? Merida. Yeah. Yeah, no, she... I think she's, like, kind of annoying. I just, like, the whole time she's just like, oh, it's not my fault that you're a bear because I slipped you something I got in the woods and put it, like, in your food and could have accidentally poisoned you. Like, that's not my fault that you turned into a bear because of my actions. I don't like her in the second half of the movie. Really, I don't like anything about the second half, but I I think Merida... Is great in the first forty five. Yeah, I, minutes. It, I the first half of this movie is really freaking good. And yeah, the second the first, half is by really it's, good. It's like really it'd be like middle of this list. Like it's, it's it, the first half is well, pretty it's good. Well, it's tough to rate just half a movie. Yeah, yeah. I like all of the stuff where it's like, oh, she wants to live a more free life, but yeah. her parents want her to be like this. And I thought it was like really cool how she had to like win her own hand at the archery thing. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I like this, that. if it kept going this direction, I'd be more down with it. Yeah, I, if it just kept going that that same direction, it would have been fantastic. But a, uh, then a bear got brought into it, and I think the reason why I have this one so low on this list, but I had it much higher than the Pixar list. It's not that I think it's a bad movie; it's a bad Oscar winner. It's not an Oscar level film. They should have never won the best animated film at the Oscars. It doesn't deserve it. Whereas other films that I I don't love. That that much more things like Coco and Inside Out absolutely deserve the Oscar, right? Like you watch this movie, go, yeah, that makes sense. That's the best animated picture win, right? The animation of Coco looks gorgeous, right? Scenes in Inside Out were making you know adults in the theater well up and cry. Like like 
those were Oscar-winning films. Brave, you watch it and goes, that was fun. I had a good time. But it doesn't feel like an Oscar-winning film. I think this was kind of the point re- people realized that, oh, crap, they're just going to give it to Pixar every year yeah. if Brave won. Yeah, and this time it actually, unlike Happy, it went up against some of uh, barely see competition to win. Yeah, you got Wreck-It wow. Ralph, you got Paranorman, you got The Pirates Band of Misfits, which is like one of the best movies ever. I haven't seen it. In my mind, Wreck-It Ralph would probably win this one, Wreck-It Ralph is fantastic. I, I'd agree. Wreck-It Ralph probably deserved to win. Wow. Yeah, that's shocking. Yeah, Wreck-It Ralph uh, famously is a top 10 Disney film of all time for me. I love that movie. I didn't realize it was yeah. the same year. That's disastrous. It's so good, and it didn't win Best Picture to Brave, and that's that's where I put Brave so low on this list because it's not like it's a bad movie in isolation. It just by no means, in any way, is it a best best animated feature. It's just I, I think that the Academy saw that Wreck-It Ralph was like based on like video games and stuff, and they were just they didn't want to touch that. But like Brave is like even if it's a worse movie, it's about like old history and women standing up for herself, stuff. that kind of stuff. Not that Penelope also wasn't just for women empowerment as much as Merida was. It's just, you're right. It's, they like historical things better than something based on video games with making jokes with Sonic and Bowser. Yeah. yeah Brave is uh, literally an animated period piece, so it's perfect. It is. Yeah, the movie really just, you know, yeah, the first little bit's pretty good. Uh, it's similar to Happy Feet, where it's like six different stories. This is really two different stories. It's uh, two. Totally drops the ball. I hate the route of wind, especially because... The, the archery scene is probably the best scene in the entire movie. And I think the relationship yeah. with the mother and daughter is really good at the beginning. Like, you're like, okay, I'm feeling it, I'm feeling it. And then they turn one of them into a bear. And now the relationship is dead. Like, there's literally no more interaction between the two because one of them can't fucking talk because it's a bear. So, like, they literally cut the only interesting part of the movie, which is this relationship off of the film. It is painful. I, I don't like it. I like what you said, though, Tristan, that just because it's a good movie doesn't mean it's a good oscar winner and yeah if you like the movie that's totally fine it's not for me but at least we can agree yeah, it's probably you know compared to the other competition uh, probably a, a bad choice and I, I think another reason why this movie has dropped so now this is the second best pixar movie we have about tough mother and daughter relationships in which they both are the bears so this is now you know the second best bear transformation mother daughter relationship film that we got from pixar and, and this one's the worst one of the two. So that also makes it drop down on the list pretty far. Both of which were directed by women, at least a little bit. Yeah, the only two. <laughs> the only two. That's hilarious. The only two to be directed by women. You know, uh, one of them, half directed by a woman, uh, were ones with mother-daughter relationship. One of them turned to a bear. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. One, one last thing I'd like to say about this one is I know a lot of people like to crap on like the whole one-word animated movie title i think this is definitely like one of the worst cases of it because like up is kind of the name up is kind of charming brave is just like it just felt like they were being kind of lazy like what does this film really have to do with the vague notion of being brave you know yeah it's not like merida wasn't brave in this film but it wasn't like the entire film was her overcoming fears or her having to be exceptionally brave in face of adversity. Being brave was very not not too important in this movie. They called it Bear, even. It would be more applicable to what they yeah. named it. Like, she starts off the movie brave. If the whole theme of the movie was that, then it makes sense. But Yeah, it's not like it's talking about gaining courage or overcoming fears at all. 
That's true. Yeah, I never really thought of that. The title is pretty disconnected to the film, unlike most of their other one-word titles, like Soul and Up and um, Frozen. Like, I honestly don't mind Frozen as a title. Ratatouille. No, Frozen's a good title, I think. Yeah, Ratatouille. Ratatouille might be one word, but that's a hell of a freaking word. Ratatouille is the perfect title. I'll give it because it's like a double meaning. Because it's like you know, it's the dish they serve, but it's also he's a rat. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that is a clever title. Uh, That might be. Let's figure it out. Is is that the best Pixar title? We're gonna call it now. Pixar titles. Give me a better Pixar title than Ratatouille. I think that might be it. That that is a really good title. Cars (laughs) two. Cars two. Cars two is a good one. I think Coco is like a really cool name because Coco is not like a central character character like i think it's cool that she's like the heart of the film but it's like she's sort of sidelined but like her name is the title and it really works it would have really worked if they also drink a lot of hot chocolate but they don't so it, it doesn't yeah work. It doesn't have <laughs> yeah it doesn't have the double meter in ratatouille yeah I, I can't think of another title that that's it that that's officially my favorite um, monsters inc is pretty good I like Monsters Inc. Uh, Toy Story. I just they're think all is a monsters, right? But then they they're they're incorporated. Monsters Incorporated because they're all business and they're in like a real real sort of westernized world. Yeah, I think like a Bug's Life. I think they were trying to like just they kind of just copied what Toy Story did. A Toy Story, a Bug's Life. I feel yeah. like that was their plan. Like Cars would have been a Cars anecdote if they kept going this way. Yeah, I do like their first two films. Were what's this movie? Uh, it's about a Bug's Life. What about this movie? That's a story about toys. Like, they, they, they just described the movie in the title. That's perfect. If it works, it works. Yeah, <laughs> they should have kept that going. I, yeah, I like that. A monster tale. They could have just kept, kept it going. A mo- that would have been great. A monster's tale. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. We move on to uh, number 19 here. Already a significant uh, increase in quality here, according to two of us at least. But we're going to go into one of the more recent winners, and that is Toy Story 4. So Tristan has this at number 20. I have it at 16, and Trex has it at 13. So already, where we're instantly starting to, to drive wow, apart. Wow, you guys have this one pretty high. Ooh. Is 16 high? Too high. Too high. <laughs> yeah, I'm at 13, so I'm even higher. Yeah, that's true. Well, I just don't like Toy Story 4 very much. It, it shouldn't have been made. I, I don't care for it. It, it takes a, a beloved cast of characters and just shits the bed with them and completely throws them in the garbage and takes only Woody and makes just a Woody story, which is fine if this was pitched as like a Woody spinoff story, kind of like a Lightyear is going to be a Buzz Lightyear spinoff story. But it's not. This is Toy Story 4, the fourth entry in the mainline Toy Story series, and it only has to do with one character of the entire Toy Story cast. They spent over a decade developing and growing. And that's not what I want from a Toy Story movie at all. And I didn't care for it. And that's why I, I put it back on last. Woody is the main character. And it's not like in the other movies. Like It was always been an ensemble film, though. Particularly Toy Story 3, Toy Story 2. The first Toy Story was the most focused on Woody and Buzz being equally as important to one another. That is the entire first movie. The second and third were most definitely more ensemble films. And then the fourth yeah. one, it's just Woody and a bunch of new characters. I do not care about it's not like Mr. Potato had had some kind of like compelling arc in like Toy Story 2, you know? It's like these were mainly about like Woody. But they're all equally about Buzz. Buzz Lightyear has been just as important as Woody and all of them. Jesse and, and Bullseye have been just as important in the second and third one. But none of them were important at all in the fourth one. Buzz Lightyear had maybe six lines in the whole film. I, honestly, I think I actually really do agree with you here. If I had to point one criticism towards this movie, it's just that, yeah, 
the cast, the, yeah, the other main it, cast like gets making a Simpsons movie, but only, only having Homer. Bart, Lisa, Marge, not in it at all. Just Homer. Sure, Homer's the main character of Simpsons. That's that's a fact. Woody is the main character of Toy Story, but he's not the reason you just watch Toy Story. You watch it for no. the entire cast of characters. You know how they interact with one another, their relationships amongst one another, and they just ditched all that for characters that I have no connection with, people I do not care about, and toys that that I haven't really even heard of. Yeah. Okay. I agree with you on most of that, but with that said, I like. At first, I was kind of in the same boat. You when I watched it the first time, I was like. Oh, okay, this is just kind of a lame brand extension, and like to be fair, it is like it's it. Disney probably told them they had to make this, but when I actually look at like what the film has to offer, I actually like really admire it because like just the arc that Woody goes through, where he like you think like oh the ending of Toy Story three is like the perfect ending, but when you really think and about it, was. it, when you think about it, I think that like Woody just going to another owner, it doesn't really make sense that it would like fully satisfy him that he could ever feel the same connection to Bonnie that he did to Andy. So in this movie you see he kind of feels purposeless and that's where like the Forky comes in where he's trying to save him all that he can but like you can tell like this is kind of what's keeping him sane is just supporting Bonnie by protecting him but it's like it's not really fulfilling for him. So I think by the end of the movie it makes sense for him to make the choice that he did and choose a new life path where he can finally feel happy. Yeah, it, it does throw away, though, everything that the first three movies are building towards, though, right? And that's Ooh. the whole relationship between Buzz and, and Woody, right? And how together they can do anything. If Buzz and Woody work together as friends, they can do anything. As long as they stick together, they can do anything. And then at the very end of Toy Story 4, they go, ah, fuck it, who cares? And they threw that all away. For Ten years of building up this relationship between these two characters. They go, ah, fuck it. When you're friends with someone, you don't have to stick with them your entire life. You I can agree still be friends. That. That's that's fair. But Woody's like, entire character is always being serving his owner and serving his owner, and then he just ditches that for some woman. Well, that's because he felt that his because per- like Bonnie never played with him. That was the thing, and like I think that he kind of realized that his purpose was not here, but it was actually helping other toys find owners so that they can have the same relationship that he had with Andy. But at the end of Toy Story 3, no one had any of those questions. Nobody cared about any of that. Toy Story 4 made up a bunch of problems so we could solve them. I mean, just because the problems weren't prevalent in the other movies doesn't mean they weren't problems. It means it wasn't warranted at the end of Toy Story 3. No one at the end of Toy Story 3 goes, going, wow, I feel bad for Woody right now. We better get a resolution to his story. I mean... Yeah, but like that's how you make a sequel. a sequel. You explore a character more. But was a sequel necessary? Was it necessary? No, I don't think so. But I just think it. They actually Pixar really took a compelling route with this character that I think helps justify its existence. I know you don't, but that's that's I just story. I like the movie on rewatch. I, I don't think the movie's awful. I, I don't think it holds up to the other Toy Story movies at all. And I think that's the big thing. It's, it, it's not as good as the first three Toy Stories. I, I don't think it's, at all. And it's not the best movie of those nominated this year for the category. Once again, it's just not. You know and what? It, I also agree. I agree with everything you just said. I think it's my least. I still like the film a lot. It's still my least favorite Toy Story. And I definitely don't think it should have won. Yeah, I don't think it's a horrible film. You know, I think it's a perfectly fine movie. It's just not as good as a lot of the other ones that one best animated picture, and it's for sure not as good as the other toys. 
Sorry, Quentin has not said a thing because we've yeah. just been arguing okay. back and forth. Well, uh, you guys had both really different opinions, so I like just listening to it. I was just trying to hear the content. But I want to jump in for the, the nominations. I remember famously going into the Oscar night for the 2019 Oscars thinking, Toy Story 4 is my least favorite of the five nominations. Um, you know, it doesn't yeah. say much about the movie. just said I, I thought it was a really good roster. And unfortunately, the, the worst one ended up, you know, it was Pixar. Of course, it was going to win. And I think my favorite animated movie of the year wasn't even nominated. What was my yours? Well, I like Frozen 2 a lot. <laughs> I love Frozen 2. Really? That's yeah, okay. and I know that's a weird opinion to have. I think Frozen 2 is fantastic, and it wasn't even nominated. Yeah. So I was disappointed about that. I forgot about that. That's a good one. I think my favorite movie of 2019, animated movie, was definitely Klaus. Like, Klaus, Klaus is really good. I, objectively I, speaking, Klaus is probably the best. And for sure, should have won the Oscar. My personal favorite. Klaus is like one of my favorite movies. Like, it's definitely like in my top 100. I love that movie. And Klaus is really, really good. Missing Link is good too. That deserved over Toy Story 4, but not over. Missing Link was really fun, actually. I liked that one a lot. Yeah, Klaus would have been my pick. It would have been number seven on this list if, if, if it was the winner. Like, I really I, liked I it. have not seen Missing Link or How to Train Your Dragon 3. I have watched. Have you guys seen this one? The I Lost in My Body was I also haven't nominated. seen that. That's one of these I haven't seen. Really good. I've seen all of them. I watched all five, and they were all really good. And this one isn't even bad. I have it at 16, but once again, it's not the bottom two. It's a fine winner. Totally fine movie. I have it at 16. I don't have it in, like, my bottom five, mostly because I think the animation is insane. I think it's just visually insane how beautiful Pixar was able to make this movie look. And then on the flip side, I like the doll. No one's mentioned the doll yet, but I thought... The fact that we had a traditional villain that ended up just immediately becoming a hero and just having a really rootable need to just be loved. I thought that that was a really good take for a Pixar villain, specifically a Toy Story villain, because every Toy Story villain is basically the same with what's the guy from the second movie uh, and Lotso. Like they Stinky both Pete. have like, uh, yeah, Stinky Pete. Stinky Pete and Lotso had like the same you know, storyline, so it's nice to have another villain you think is going to go the same route with not being loved by humans. Humans are the worst, but has a very fun twist to her arc that I thought was, you know, pretty fun for the movie, but as, you know, the reason why it's only at 16, like Tristan said, I I, I don't like the movie that much. Uh, As a whole, I think when it comes to Toy Story, it's Toy Story. As in a story of a bunch of toys, and it's, it becomes the Woody show, which is fine. It's always been the Woody show, but when the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth main character are a bunch of newbies that we've never seen, and Buzz Lightyear becomes a repeating gag of listening to his conscience, which he never did the first three movies. I don't know why, like, it was just such a dumb joke for him. And then every other character had, like, maybe one or two lines, which I know they're not main characters, but Slinky Dog and Jesse and Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. In the third movie, they still had like five to ten lines, and they each had like a unique moment that was fun and all blended together with the film. I think that was so frustrating, because Story Story 3 did such a good job of Perfect. having Woody be the main character, Buzz be sort of the secondary main character, but having all the other well-known established characters still feel useful and relevant to the film, but still introduce a massive cast of a whole bunch of new toys that felt like they fit in the world and they belonged, but they didn't still the camera time away from the cast that we already knew, right? Lotso and, and Mr. Pricklepants and, and the Unicorn and all the other toys in Monty's room and Sunnyside. They didn't take away from the main cast. They added to it. When the Toy Story 4, it kind of felt like they replaced them. 
And and that's what I didn't like. Mind you, when I mentioned the doll having a cool story arc for Toy Story going, I love that. I thought that was a really great story arc. How she wasn't really mean. She was just wanting to be loved by humans. I thought Key and Peele's bunny and a uh, bunny and chick were absolutely hilarious, although they're kind of pointless. I thought they were just very, very yeah. yeah, no, to address Quentin's point uh, about like, oh, why didn't these characters I just this is just kind of a thing I wanted to bring up. Don Rickles, the voice for Mr. Potato Head had died by the time they made this. Any line he has in Toy Story 4 is archive uh, recordings. Yeah. Yeah, so I get with that one character maybe pulling back a little. They still could have given him more lines than he had, I feel like, and it being fine. But, yeah, that, but it's art. that's one There's rare so example for, for, that's one excuse for pushing off a bunch of bunch of characters rather than just the one character. Like there's more focus on him on Woody than the other films, and I do appreciate that. But again, I do, I do say my one big complaint with this film is that the characters got sidelined. But like Quinn said, I'm glad he brought it up. How it, this movie almost has sort of a reverse twist villain, where it's like you think she's really evil at first, but then you actually hear her out, and she actually kind of has a reasonable want and a reasonable request of Woody. And I like how they kind of push her to find someone that she that loves her and i again again the animation is just like honestly might be pixar's best like i remember the opening scene with like the rain and the water just i it blew my mind because it looked like live action yeah that that is the biggest bonus going for it is it is mind-blowing how it looks so that's why that's why you couldn't put in like my bottom three just for that alone like visually it's That's fair. Maybe I didn't take into how good the animation looks compared yeah, to other also, movies that have higher on the list, particularly the older films that don't look as good. I don't know if it's Pixar's best animation, but most definitely looks good. Maybe not art, like character design, because, you know, it's just kind of basic. Yeah, that's fine. It's still just character design from the 95, but that's fine. Whereas I think Soul but, probably has some of the best. But pure, like, okay. animation quality, I think this might be the best. That's yeah, quality might be the best style. I agree. Yeah, there's yeah, one later on this list that like, I think Coco is like much more visually interesting. Right, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And then one thing, you know, to solve the Mister Potato Head problem, uh, use the archived one or two lines he had in the movie in the first ten minutes, and then guess what? He loses his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty freaking clever. Yeah, like. I mean, it'd be yeah. kind of obvious, but I'd be a good workaround, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Pixar should hire me, baby. Potato head sort of like interpret his weird gestures and stuff for the rest of them. Yeah, so he's just like mumbling. Like, the whole yeah. It's such a, a weird workaround, but it totally works. Yeah, and then Miss Potato the whole time could be like, oh, I like this better because he can't talk. Yeah, you know, it'd be hilarious. Well, actually, I think just today, the the woman who played her died. Oh, no. Toy Story yeah, 5 is gonna be, yeah, Toy Story 5 is gonna be even worse then. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Toy Story 5 is gonna be real depressing, that's for sure. Yeah. That was just not great timing. But then again, as long as Tom Hanks doesn't die, Pixar doesn't care because they just sideline the rest of the characters. Yeah, or just do it with Buzz Lightyear, just recast them. Yeah, or, <laughs> yeah, just make a Chris Evans Lightyear movie. Yeah. Which yeah. I am somewhat kind of excited for, just for the sole fact that they put they had like an actually kind of good trailer. I'm looking forward to it. And right when it got announced, everyone else seemed to shit on it. I think it's going to be pretty fun. Yeah, I, I don't have high hopes for it, but... I don't I'm think it's going to win it. Best Animated Picture. But I, oh, I think I'm it will. It's Pixar. Come on. That's true. You know what? It probably will. <laughs> but Turning Red also came out, and I think that's more likely. 
came out too early. I Fair. don't know. I like Twitter a lot. I like Twitter, but I don't think. I think we'll get nominated, but yeah, I think they'll give the the win to, to Lightyear. They like Toy Story. Yeah, unless Disney's coming out with anything this year. This movie called Strange World, which is by the same people as Big Hero Six, so maybe. Oh, okay. Oh well, that is a perfect transition, Trex, because at number eighteen we have Big Hero Six. I have it. Uh, Trex has it at nineteen. I have it at eighteen, wow. and Tristan has it at ten. Wow. Whoa. Oh, so yeah. now we're on the opposite ends of the table now. Yeah, the turn tables, eh? We're, uh, I'm okay. surprised you guys have this one so low. I think I, it's fine. I like it. it. This was like one of those movies where I had this one cousin who loved the movie and had it on all the time. So I watched it every time he came over. And honestly, I don't think the movie's like that bad. For me, it's like a 6 out of 10, verging on a 7. Yeah, same. It's like... I don't think it's honestly like that bad. I just think there's so many other movies that not only do what it was going to do better, but just, I just think this movie had a lot of little things that kind of built up. Like I don't find many of the side characters that interesting. The villain is not good at all. And honestly, I just think that like the superhero action stuff just didn't really reach its full potential until the climax. Yeah. The ending's good ending is really really good i like how they had a little segment to talk about uh quarantining which i thought was uh i watched at the break of the pandemic so i thought that was a a perfect moment for me to watch this movie but the ending is really really good where he kind of has to sacrifice himself with the arm at the end when they're in the portal like that is an actual real tear-jerking moment that i wasn't expecting and i also just as a whole really like baymax like he is an amazing character i think he's really adorable and funny in like a natural way like the whole time it didn't feel like okay yeah they're just trying to sell like cute merch because baymax is adorable looking like it just felt really sweet that a kid and his older brother still have this bond despite the brother dying very early on through this invention i thought that was really sweet Uh, it's just you know the rest of it's just like superhero and the villain's generic and Nothing's that memorable at all, except for that ending sacrifice. Like the rest of the movie's fine. It's fine. I, I like it. It it seems low because I have it down at eighteen, but it just shows that like I like most of these movies. This this movie's fine. It's okay. Yeah, I like most of these movies too. And obviously, I very much like this one. I I don't know how this one's so much higher than you guys. Um, yeah, honestly, it's pretty tough picking a lot of these sort of middle middle winners in my mind because I like them all. Thoughts, but none really that much more than any of the others and mm-hmm. so i kind of put this one near the top of that middle pack there just because i really like the ending of the movie i also really like between hero and baymax and hero and his older brother what's his older brother's name it starts with a t tadashi i think tadashi that's it yeah and the hero and tadashi's relationship and i love all that i agree that the uh, side of characters i feel could have been better i like the side characters i just feel they're kind of introduced they all had their one sort of shtick, and they never developed beyond that one sort of shtick that they had, right? Um, and I, I think maybe we could have gotten a little little more from the side of characters. They were really want to make this feel like a, a team of superheroes rather than just Hero and Baymax being the main characters and the other four of them doing their thing. But I, I just liked a, uh, I liked the animation of this one. I liked the ending, the action scenes. And so I, uh, I managed to put this one closer, closer to the top than, they, uh, than you guys did, I guess. What did you have it again, AM? Um, Tricks? 
Uh, I think I had it at like 19, I think. 19. I'm, I'm fairly low on it, but there's a pretty big quality jump up from Brave to Big Hero 6. Oh, that's undoubtable. Yeah, I really think the, the bottom three and then the next like seven or eight really could have been sort of shuffled around any which way. I wasn't too sure which way I'd go with it. And Big Hero 6, I liked a lot of things because I like superheroes, if I'm being honest. I, I enjoy superheroes. And I really liked Baymax and Hero in this one. So probably why this was good. I feel like every Disney Pixar movie kind of has to have the Baymax like mascot character. I think ba- Baymax is one of the best examples of one. Uh, just yeah. very cute, but can inspire emotion, but he's not overly annoying. He's very he's very calm and reserved, but he still is able to work for a lot of the funny bits. Yeah, he's really good. He works really well. Competition wise, all the other nominees, I don't feel particularly enthusiastic on, but I'd say they're all. Probably better than this. Really? I think this one, like, all the nominations seem, I've only seen, I've only seen two of them. I can't really, it's, I've only seen How Trade Dragon 2 and Big Hero 6. I don't know who for sure wins it, in my mind. But, is um, Moana not in this group? Moana came no, out in 2016. 2016. Oh, just kidding. I, I don't know. I don't have the list like you guys. Well, that and Moana came out the same year as Utopia. Okay, I, th- I knew Moana came out the same year as another Disney movie. I thought it was Big Hero 6. Not, yeah. That's right, it was Utopia. But what else was nominated yeah, no. this year? Uh, in like, it was Golf oh. Trolls, How to Train a Dragon 2, Song of the Sea, and The Tale of Princess Kayuga. Kaguya. Kaguya. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Wait, yeah. Another weak group. I, I forgot to mention, this is one of like the most infamous Oscar scrubs, because you know what's not on this list? The Lego Movie. Right, I was going to mention that. Yeah, the Lego Movie deserves to win. The Lego Movie it would be higher on my list than Big Hero 6 is. Wow, that's crazy. Absolutely, Lego Movie deserved to be nominated, if not one. Yeah, Lego Movie is like one of my favorite movies. Yeah, this, Lego Movie is amazing. Just, yeah, like, no, that's an absolute snub. That's huge. Yeah, that, that's you crazy. Can't. Man, yeah, that, that's tough. Lego I'll Movie never, is so good. How would it go overlooked? I'll never forget this one quote from like an Academy voter who was defending the movie, saying like, I don't remember the exact quote, but they went along the lines of like, oh, the Lego movie didn't get nominated, but these two Chinese random movies that no one's ever heard of got nominated. And he was just really frustrated about that. And I think that's kind of, that kind of shows the mentality the voters have towards this nomination. Cause like none of these are Chinese movies that got nominated. He's talking about song of the sea, which is an Irish film and Kaguya, which is a Japanese film. And he, it's just clear that they don't care about foreign animation stuff. I mean, I think it's very clear that the Oscars don't care about animation stuff in general, and they still just are the category of kids' movies, which is just, it isn't, right? I mean, I guess so far only kids' movies have won. There haven't been any adult animation films that have actually won yet. But I'm hoping that'll change at some point here. There's one that's kind of close to what I would call adult-ish, but we'll get to that one. Yeah, there yeah. hasn't been a Best Picture nominee from animated films since Toy Story 3, so it just shows how little they care. Yeah, when... There's one that absolutely, I think, deserved to win the award, let alone for it. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't nominated for it, which is ridiculous. Which was Big Hero 6, right? Big Hero 6? Honestly? I would have been mad about it. That's just <laughs> Big Hero 6, a Best Picture winner? What, what, a, what a time. I would not be mad. Like, I want any animated movie to win. All right? I, I, don't, I don't want it to be Big Hero 6, though. I don't want that to be the, the champion of animated film. If that's what it takes, man, I'm down for it. <laughs> okay. Rick, if it was well, like, Toy Story 4, I'd be rooting for it. 
everyone pointed at as like the one thing that defines animation. That would become the defining animated movie, Big Hero 6. Is this the world you want to live in? Yes. Yes. I just want to have that big definitive animated movie. Right now we got nothing. But have it be a great animated movie. Like something truly like revolutionary, I guess. We have had great animated movies, and they've just gotten snubbed. But it'll happen. I'm confident it's going to happen one Within my lifetime, we will have a best animated picture. Be, uh, be, an animated movie be the best picture of the year. It's going to happen. All right. I we'll like the see. confidence. I love it, you know? But It's 100% Pixar. They will never... Oh, it'll be Pixar. Yeah. Oh, there's no way it's not Pixar. Um, yeah. Maybe Disney. May, maybe like Disney Animated Studios. Maybe right. it'll be DreamWorks. Ooh. DreamWorks has fallen by the wayside for a while. When was the last time DreamWorks had a good movie? No, I'm kidding. It's not going to be DreamWorks. Like Shrek. Sure. Even Sony's the next one after Disney and Pixar. I would think of this. It'll be Shrek 5, baby. Ghibli A? Maybe. Could be Ghibli. Yeah. Actually, right. no, it won't. That'll have to be an, a foreign animated movie to win Best Picture. That's not, it's not happening. That would be legendary. Yeah. I would love for it to happen, but it's not going. All right, we can move on to number 17, and we're going back to the Pixar well with uh, another tie here with number 16, but we have here Finding Nemo. Trex has it at 17, I have it at 15, and Tristan has it at 13. We're all pretty close here. Yeah, 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 a pretty close group here, which makes sense. It's it's fine. I like the movie. Beautiful. I actually thought I'd be one of the lower ones on it. Now you're the highest. Finding Nemo is a, uh, it's good, it's cute, it's fun. Um, I remember seeing, we, we watched this one in theaters way back when. Way back on that one. Yeah, I've seen most of these in theaters, to be fair. We did, yeah. I've seen, seen a lot of these in theaters. Not all, but I've seen a lot. I even Toys, saw it, Toy Story 4 in theaters. That was the time. I saw Toy Story 4, yeah. Yeah, remember when Pixar movies used to come to theaters? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would have seen, I would have seen a uh, freaking Turner Red in theaters if I could have. I saw Onward in theaters the one week. I wish I saw Onward in theaters. I so wish I would have. Yeah. I I guess you'll finally get your chance with Lightyear. Lightyear. Don't jinx the tracks. There's still time. Oh, shit. (laughs) You know, Finding was good. I think it's, it's, it's unfortunately fair to be in like this range where it's just in the middle. It's perfectly fine. It's a really good kids film to just throw on. Just all the time. It's super cute. It's adorable. Like, there's really, I think it's got a lot of rewatchability because it's just two fish on a journey the whole time, talking to different types of fish. It's just like a fun adventure flick in the ocean. So, and it's hilarious. The jokes land real well. I think this movie is very, very fun. More than just a really well done kids movie. And that's kind of where I land with it. I think it's a pretty good, I'd honestly maybe even say great uh, anime movie. Like, this was definitely one of those that I grew up with a lot. Like, I'd rewatch it a lot. Uh, I think Marlon... Is the main character's name Marlon? Marlon. I think. Yeah, Marlin, he's yeah. really good. I think Dory's really good. I like, I like their chemistry, and I like the arc he goes through, learning to be a little less protective of Nemo, and that's kind of what pushed him away. The thing is, is, like, it's really good. I love all the... Like I said in a previous thing, I love animated ocean movies. Um, but I, I think my one holdup with this movie is that I don't think the tank stuff is very interesting. Like, it's just kind of them working towards this one goal of like blocking the fan thing, and then they do that, but then it turns out it didn't matter in the first place. 
and it just makes me feel like it was all kind of pointless. That's kind of a good point, actually. I never thought of that. The, the entire tank scene is just to fill up some time because they stop the fan, they get the tank dirty, they take them out of the bags. They don't actually escape. They go back in the tank. Like, it literally was just to take up, like, 25 minutes of the film. That's a good yeah, point. but the shark bait section was fantastic. Yeah, shark bait. Is yeah. That was I mean, you gotta, in a movie called Finding Nemo, you gotta have scenes with Nemo. But I just think that, like, I mean, Willem Dafoe is cool. I love Willem Dafoe fish, but that's it. None of the other, I don't really vibe with any of the other tank gang. Yeah, they could have just had the, the scenes with Nemo just be the creepy girl with the braces scene, and then maybe one other, you know, the, the, the shark bait scene, and then they could just call it a day. Like, they could have just had a few scenes. Uh, you're right, the whole tank escape sequence is extremely pointless. But I guess or it's kind they... of the whole movie, right? It's just, like, constant random bits that are really fun all thrown in together in one big adventure. So it's, it's just fun. It's a really fun kids movie i enjoy it yeah i really really love it this one just most definitely feels like a kids movie to me a super well done and very high quality kids movie that's hilarious from start to finish but it doesn't feel like it ever pushes the boundaries of anything and that's okay it doesn't have to it's a very very well done movie and i think it's super cute and it's absolutely one i think all kids should watch i'm sure most kids have watched but it, it, yeah. i can't put it above other movies on the list i just feel other movies do a little more than this one does yeah yeah and as for its competition there's not much you got brother bear and this one movie i've never seen called the triplets of belleville i do need to see it but like whoa i live in bell oh is it a yeah. canadian thing maybe i doubt i doubt it's this <laughs> still way there's a movie never. based off the little city belleville in ontario no this is based on belleville in the united kingdom i think it's like french i don't know not yeah, much to talk movie. about here brother bear's all right yeah, it's like Brave too. It kind of, it's better than Brave though. <laughs> it, it is. It is cool. better than Brave. It's better than Brave. When you think it's... about it, and maybe that's also why because I rewatched Brother Bear, Brave, and now, and I think at the time when I first read Brave, I thought Brave was better, but now I think for sure Brother Bear is better. Oh yeah, definitely. And that's also why Brave dropped down. It's now the third best animated movie about people turning into bears. So, it's, you know, it's a pretty tough category, but it, it falls to the yeah. One or two more movies. We'll have to do a people turning into bears ranking video. I'm I'm there for it. I'm <laughs> all of them turning into bears. Of all the animals, I want to see people turn into bears are right up there. Yeah. I feel like the genre is kind of exhausted at this point of bear turning animal movies. Not enough. There's got to be more. Well, we have to wait for the when Disney inevitably gets to the live action brother bear. Oh, and yeah. Turning Red just came out. So. Yeah. Exactly. You guys want to move on to the next one? Absolutely. Yes. All right. So at number 16, which was tied with Finding Nemo, is Coco. What? Yeah, yeah. We broke into Trex's top 10 here. Trex has it at eight. And unfortunately, me and Tristan are going to be a bit of the negative Nellies here. Tristan has it at 18, and I have it at 19. Wow, you have it lower than me. (laughs) Yeah. Damn, that's ruthless. 19. We have it at 18. Yeah, I thought 18 was low, though. I thought I was going to be... Yeah, that's all. I thought I was being the meanie. Yeah, I mean, me interested in the negative Nellies here. Trex really helped Coco's ratings here. This could have been, like, bottom three. All right. Look, to be honest, I think the animation... I'll say my piece. The animation is beautiful. It is gorgeous. 
Uh, I just find the movie kind of boring. I never connected with the characters. And I felt the very first time I watched it, I knew beat for beat was going to happen in this movie uh, within the first 10 minutes. And, and then it played out exactly as I saw it coming. It felt very predictable. It felt boring. It felt like I've watched it before, even though I haven't. And I just didn't connect with anybody. The animation is gorgeous. But other than that, it just kind of felt cliche. Cliche is like necessarily a bad thing. I just think it's, like it's not. It just it doesn't make the movie exciting. That's for sure. Fair. Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page with Tristan. I, you know, I can't really relate to somebody that like really wants to play or listen to music. Like, I just, I, I have no connection to this kid at all. I, I, it's foreign to me that somebody is like real stoked about playing a guitar. And then, you know, I think the animation's gorgeous. There's no question about that. I think it looks really great. And, you know, I like the style and, and, the, and the Day of the Dead and all that is really fun. But, yeah, the whole story I could foreshadow pretty early on. I could tell exactly what was going to happen beat by beat, which was yeah. pretty great because I watched the, this is the first time I ever watched with my fiance. You know, it made me look really smart when I was watching it with her because we were watching and I was going and I was going, oh, yeah, that guy's the twist villain. That's going to happen. He's going to play that song to the grandmother. Like, like, I was like literally telling her five minutes before it happened what was going to happen. And she thought, she, 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 she was pretty impressed. She first thought I watched the movie the day before just to look real smart in front of her. But uh, she was pretty impressed that I was able to crack the code of this intricate film called Coco. So, you know, I guess it wasn't too, too bad. But, you know, it's fine. It's just, I, I know this is a hot take. I'm shocked Tristan has the exact same hot take as me. I was ready to, like, get burned by both of you. But I guess I'm only going to get burned by one. Because oh, you're gonna get burned, all right. Because <laughs> it's just not for me. It's famously not my thing. I do need to rewatch it. I've never once rewatched the film because I've just never, ever had that desire. Because I know exactly what's gonna happen, and it, it was very boring and predictable. But I, I should rewatch it. I was actually going to last night, but I stayed a little later at my friend's house, and I just didn't have time. But I do need to revisit it. It's probably better than I remember, but yeah, that's just my ranking. I think, like, you don't need to, like, be into music or have want to play. No, yeah, that feels like a weird critique there. I love music, and I love the music in this movie. It's very good. But it feels like a yeah. weird reason to not like the film. It's more so a joke, but also the reason why people love this film is he plays that song to the grandmother, and it's real emotional. I sat through, like, stone face. I literally did not care. I was like, he's singing a song. Like, why? Like, this isn't emotional. Like, so... It, it, it's a dumb critique, and it, it doesn't really affect me like in the movie, but I felt nothing in that scene. I think that's the scene people point at and go, yeah, this is a really beautiful, touch, touching film, and it, it, I felt nothing watching him sing a song to an older woman. I, I, I didn't care. All right. Well, I think that like you're supposed to take his struggle of like wanting to be a musician, and but everyone's against you. It's just kind of like, everyone kind of has like a passion that you know, they want to succeed at, yet the whole world around you just kind of is. So every time he achieves something with music, it doesn't have to necessarily be like, oh, you also have to be able to relate this to music. You can relate it to anything. Right. And I think to address the final scene thing, I think it's just like, I don't know. I mean, obviously I can't convince you like, without the proper context of the film, why this moment is like the best thing ever to happen. But it's also just like, it's a very beautiful scene because it's like she's about to forget like the dad who didn't have the chance to be the father that he truly wanted to be and just 
and that song was like their one connection to each other and that it does kind of speak to how music can bring people together but also just the power of memories and being able to pass those on to generations because that's literally how the skeletons survive in the underworld i'll admit yeah it's pretty you know it's pretty predictable i i think you can levy that criticism at a lot of animated movies just because they follow very similar templates but i don't think that at least for me it doesn't automatically make it boring because i honestly just had a good time i love the characters i love their start like the relationships they form i like how even the family that's trying to stop him from achieving his musical dream they aren't like bad or over they don't seem like villainous characters because they genuinely care about him it's just they have differing philosophies and i don't know i just i also the twist villain actually kind of works for me because he's kind of like the dark reflection of our main character who did abandon his family and all that to achieve his dream and this is where it got him to the, where he's just this evil person now that's fair sorry that was a really long rant no no, no I, I liked it to, no, no I, that was good i had to combat your negativity yeah, and we needed the coco defenders because coco even though it's not for it's me it's very much for a lot of other people and it is a beautiful film and i don't want to knock anything against the movie i, I just didn't really connect with it at all but i get why people like it like visually it's gorgeous even though it follows a very traditional storyline, like you said, a lot of animated films do. So it is a bit of a, you know, a bit of hypocritical for me to point it at this one specifically. Maybe it was because it was right. I don't at that know time. more so than other ones. This one really felt like they played it safe. You yeah. know what I mean? This one felt like they really, it really felt like they played this whole movie safe. And it, that storyboarding, I can, I can feel it being designed by a marketing team in the boardroom. You know what I mean? Like you can feel them just pre-plan this entire thing out how it's. It felt very, very safe and copy and paste from a lot of other animated films, more so than most. Yeah. I think that, like, you know, a trope is a trope for a reason, right? Like, you know, it's, it, if it works, don't... I think if, if it works, don't fix it. I feel like if, if Coco existed in a vacuum where none of these other animated films existed, you, I don't know, might not nearly be as predictable. I just think that, like... I think the whole... It was like a marketing team just planning it out. I think I just I just don't agree with that. I think it like it does feel like a more meaningful movie with like the journey he goes on and how it kind of teaches him both to follow his dreams, but also to take your family into account and to realize how important they are to your life and to not you know try and like cut them out or distance yourself too much from them. The final moment where he sings the song to the grandmother is it not like a very similar moment that Pixar has already done in Ratatouille when the critique tasted that food for the first time and brought, was brought back to his childhood. I, I just noticed how similar that the, when you were describing that moment, I was thinking, oh, kind of like Ratatouille. So uh, Pixar is good at making those moments where you reconnect with your childhood, which I think is what's great about animated films. It's about adults bringing back their inner kid. So I like when they have that kind of storyline in these movies. It, it's, it's very fun. Definitely like a similar thing. I think there's a lot of key differences like oh yeah. In the movie in Ratatouille, the critic is not very likable, but in the movie, everyone loves the grandma. And like mm-hmm. here the main character has a very uh emotional connection to what's going on, whereas in Ratatouille, this is all going on in this guy's head. Both scenes work really well. I just think that they are very different, especially like the context they play out in and like what inspires them to recall that past event. No, I agree, yeah. But both very different and hailed. 
both very well. I do think that's easily the best moment of Coco is when he sings the song. I, I don't connect with it. It is a beautiful ending to the film, similar to, I guess, Ratatouille. You know, I wouldn't call it beautiful, but I would say when the critic has that moment. Uh, the, it really is the peak of the film when they have that, have that moment of reconnecting. So should it have won over the boss baby? A Coco? Yeah. I think Coco's better than Boss Baby. I'll, I'll give it that. Uh, slightly, though. Uh, you know, uh, just a little. What? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but let, let's be real here, guys, all right? If Boss Baby won, that would be legendary. That would be hilarious. Boss Baby wins? Yeah. The more <laughs> deserving film for sure of the <laughs> I, I think that this was definitely the year that the straw kind of broke the camel's back with a lot of people with this category because it was like, I think this was the year that like, have you guys heard of these movies like Your Name and A Silent Voice? Wait, Your Name was nominated? No, no it, it was not. That's it the point. Nom- your Name oh, is really freaking good though. Oh, yeah. Your Name would be top five on this list. It may be top three. Your Name is Really? Awesome. Wow, I don't know quite that happy. Your Name is really good. I really yeah. like no, Your Name. I only saw it once, but it was incredible. What I'm saying is that, like, these two very well-received, very respected Japanese anime films came out and were eligible for this year, I think. But no, Boss Baby and Ferdinand were more deserving of a nomination and more likely to win Best Animated Feature than those two masterpieces. And I'm, I think that's when everyone just kind of really started to dislike this category because, I mean, it's the, it's the boss baby. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of embarrassing. And, and I do retract my statement. I looked at my list quickly. It'd be number six for me. So it wouldn't crack, almost crack my top five. Okay. I do like it a lot. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't realize your name was out the same year. Yeah, I don't know which year that movie came out. Well, like it was a 2016 movie, but like when yeah. it comes to like anime movies it takes a year for them to get over like when it comes to like spirited away that came out in 2001 but it competed against 2002 films because they just there's like a year delay yeah so they typically don't release in north america all right so we can move on to number 15 and we are going three in a row here for pixar which you know doesn't mean much because most of this is pixar and that's, yeah and that's going to be inside out so uh, very similar to Coco, unfortunately. Trex has this at 10, and Tristan and I have it at 17. I don't have the energy to do another impassioned well, rant. We're all in a little more agreement. And also, the reason why I have Inside Out low is different than the reason why I have Coco low. I like Inside Out a lot. I like it quite a bit more than I like Coco. I just find Coco kind of boring. I don't find Inside Out boring. I find the first two-thirds of Inside Out absolutely delightful. And then I feel like it just loses drops the ball in the third act i feel it just loses all steam it gets boring and long it's kind of a, a slog to the finish for the third act whereas i thought particularly the first act of inside out is absolutely like i really really i, I guess i'm similar to Trisa where i i like this way more than a coco i actually think i might have this too low i think maybe 14 i was thinking the same thing yeah. that i was looking at the ones that have above it like i don't know if i can put it above you know I think what i mean I, think I, 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 I like it a lot but I just don't know if I could push it up at all. I think I could. I think I could push mine up. I think I made it a little too low. I think 14 seems like a better range for me. I think it should be up three more for my list, personally. Because Inside Out is really good. Inside Out, I think, is one of the most... I think it might be Pixar's best film in the la- uh, within the span of the 2011 to 2019. 
obviously That's toy, yeah, toy story 3 and soul like those are way better but i think when it comes to inside out i really like the uh the looking in at the girl's emotions and about, you know, her facing depression because she's moving. Like, I think that's something that's really fun to address and how it's not good to always be happy all the time and to have that as your central emotions. It's good to have a mix of emotions. I think that's a great lesson for kids to learn in such a beautifully animated style. I, I think the movie is really, really good. I, I, I enjoy about 80% of this movie, but I famously... I think Bing Bong is the worst character in film ever. I hate Bing Bong with a passion. I think he's annoying and stupid. And when he died, I cheered. I hate that guy. So Bing Bong is just the, the worst. I hate that dude. Everything else about the movie is awesome. I hate Bing Bong. You know, I was, I was going to tone it back this time, but you insulted Bing Bong. <laughs> yeah. So feel my wrath. Oh no! Bing Bong is great. What are you talking about? Like, okay, yeah, he's a little, a little annoying, but come on, man! How he sacrifices himself at the end and says the little line about he's like, "Yeah, take him to the moon." Like that shit made men cry. That hit hard. That that most definitely hit hard. It was cute. I thought that was a great ending. It was great. Imagining like in the theater, Quentin like all the kids crying. (laughs) Quentin's like cheering, like "fuck yeah." That would be really funny. I think this is famously one of the ones I actually didn't see in theaters, but that would have been yeah, really fun. I saw this one in theaters with like our mom and our, our other siblings, but you didn't come. <laughs> I, yeah, I put like an MCU. Yeah, like, I, yeah, I became like an MCU stand. I just stand up and start applauding when Bing Bong dies. Woo! It's like, die, you bastard. <laughs> when it comes to a lot of these like comic relief characters, I can kind of see why people get annoyed. Like, it's one of those things where you kind of have to. It's sort of some characters work for some people, some characters don't, and I completely understand when they don't. It's just that that moment, just like it's iconic for me at least. Yeah, yeah. Seventeen's so still too low the... though. Bing Bong doesn't lower it that. Yeah, much. yeah. I should have bumped it. Seventeen's probably too low. I do think it really loses steam in the third act. Um, it, it feel it feels like it right slows right down, and it kind of I kind of lose interest in it. But I find the first two thirds absolutely hilarious. I think this movie's very, very funny. I love all the the, uh, the brain puns and the, the mind puns and all that. Yeah. And the jingle. The train of thought. and the, Yeah, the jingle is in the yeah. brain and all that kind of stuff. That's hilarious. This is, like, easily one of Pixar's most creative movies, I For think. Sure. Just, like, all of these, con- these, like, mind concepts that it contextualizes in these real things. Like, oh, the dreams are, like, a movie studio. Yeah, like how, that was clever. How things get stuck in your head. It's like just your brain like sending those memories up to troll you. And I just like, that's great. I love all of the emotions. I think they're like, there's not one of them that like really annoys me. I like them all. I think they all have like, they can all be really funny, but they can all like be like compelling as like they're all fighting over control. And I just really love the ultimate message, which is like, most films just teach you to try and push past and like just be happy all the time, but this one's like, no, it's okay to feel sad. You can sometimes you just need to feel sad about something, even if it, if you if it's like a very important memory for you, it's okay for you to miss that memory and feel sad for it. And I just think Pixar is so good at like having these lessons that are sort of like the opposite of what other films are telling kids to do. My favorite part about Inside Out, besides from really the underlying message, which I think is great for children, but I love the dinner scene where they have the parents' emotions as well, and then the after or the credits scene where they're showing like the boy freaking out that a girl touched his hand, 
that stuff's great. If they did it a lot more, it would have been overdone. But I think one more time in the middle slash ending part of the film, because it does kind of slow down a little bit. It gets real depressing and serious for a bit. It would have been fun to have one more moment where we got to see like other people's emotions in correlation to hers, because it's really fun. The contrast of like the father is looking at like a sports game and then the mom is reflecting on like a sexy masseuse and then the boys are freaking out with like the red alert that a girl touched them like the the contrast of others emotions is equally as funny that uh, they did twice and i think i think if they put one more in like the middle of the movie near the end like it would have been a really fun time just like up the spirits a bit because it's really fun to be fair, they the did have the like... animated short riley's first date when a boy comes to pick her up for their first date and that, that little five-minute short is very hilarious. And it's most of that inside other people's brains. Oh, that one is so good. You're right. I, mean, yeah, I would recommend it. seen that. It's on Disney+. Plus. It's very funny to have five minutes there. Yeah, it's kind of what you were asking for, Quentin, with like the different perspectives. Yeah. And all that. Like, the dad really shines in that one. Okay, I'll have to check it out, because I, re- I think that's some of the funniest content of the movie. It's really good. Yeah, and the dad in general is hilarious. Yeah. That's it. We're putting that the foot down. Good. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah this is really good how she like asks him a question they like pause the football game they like, look at her and they're like fuck what do we do what do we do <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's some good stuff yeah inside out is of, really good I, I i was too low i take it back you convinced me trek a lot of good uh movies this year i think though like I think Anomalisa and When Marnie Ever Was There are like some really good competition, I think. Yeah, I like Anomalisa. I haven't seen any of the other ones nominated this year. Not even Sean the Sheep? Not even Sean the Sheep. Crap. Crap. What was I doing that year? I haven't seen that Sean the Sheep. I saw Sean the Sheep Farmageddon uh, a year or so ago. That's a good one. I I watched The Good Dinosaur, which also came out this year. Did not get a nomination. That's hilarious. It did not deserve one. It was not good at all. No. It's funny to me that they released one of the, Pixar released one of their best movies and one of their not as great kind of bad movies this year in the same year. Oh yeah, probably one of the worst by far. And that was the one that they saved. The good guys were coming out in November. They're, I think they're expecting that to be like the Oscar post, not Inside Out. And it, it dropped. Those from what I can tell, there was a lot of like behind the scenes trouble with Good Dinosaur. Like they had to push it back a bunch, and you can tell. the timing didn't really work out with that one. It's it's the it's not a good movie. I don't like Good Dinosaur. No. All right, we can move on to number fourteen here, and that's going to be Rango. Uh, which uh, you know we can finally be in an agreement here. Tristan has it at fifteen. I have it at fourteen, and Trex has it at twelve. So we're way more on the same page. We're, we're pretty much all on the same ballpark. Awesome. Yeah, I watched cool. it for the first time, like, two nights ago. I, this, this was the only movie on this list I had not seen prior to a podcast. It was right around where I was expecting it to be, and it was pretty all right. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, this is very much what I thought it was going to be. I, I like the animation style. I like the Western trope. I think the main character is really fun, and I think... A lot of the villain designs, like the snake, is really, the really snake cool. snake is freaking cool. Yeah, especially how they mention the snake constantly in the movie. Like, they continuously mention him, but you never see, like, a flashback or a photo or anything. So it's just this... Rattlesnake Jake? Yeah, this aroma of Rattlesnake Jake, which is quite a name. <laughs> but 
I liked that you like you got this bigger than life presence of him, and then by the time you see him, normally animated films when they do that, it's like, oh wow, this big guy, this big guy, and then it's like a little joke, like ha, he's so small and silly looking. Why were you so scared of him to the audience? But this time it was like really bigger than life, like oh my gosh, who is this big monster? And then it, we finally see him, and it like lives up to the hype, like he is intense looking, and it's one of the first times I think I've ever noticed that in an animated film, like he feels larger than life and then you finally see him like an hour after hearing his name and he looks larger than life like, yeah he's crazy yeah i think uh, off of what tristan said i think this is definitely one of those films where like when people go through best animated feature winners uh rango is like always seems to be the one that the one that they never saw because most of these you've probably seen like growing up that rango seems to be the one that no one else has seen and i think that's a shame because it's such a cool movie. I think it's so different, especially amongst the other winners of the category, because it's just, it feels a lot more, like, mature. Like, it's still a kid's movie, I think, but, like, it it feels a lot, like, darker and grittier and has this very unique style where it's not trying to be, like, cute and marketable. It's supposed to be, honestly, kind of gross. Like, a lot of the character designs I remember being, like, grossed out as by a kid. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I think the characters are still very like likable, uh, and I just love the environments they explore and just this whole concept of like this desert animal western town. I think was really cool, and how the conflicts have to do with like oh they got to get all the water, or this like the sheriff has to defend against the rattlesnake Jake. I just, I like that, you know. I like it too. Yeah, I like this one quite a bit. It very much feels like it has a lot of the Western tropes. And if you like Western movies, you probably would like this one. I do love the animation style in this one. Uh, Trix mentioned how it doesn't go for like, the cutesy sort of marketable animation style. It's more gritty and realistic. And I-, I think it's fantastic animation. I would like to see more animated movies in this kind of style. The fact that they could have it look so realistic back then, it kind of makes modern, you know, we're 10 years away from when this one came out. And animation hasn't gotten that much better compared to how much this one looks 10 years I enjoyed it a lot. Only reason where it is where I think there's just better movies on this list. I think there's more exciting, exactly. more, more entertaining films on the list. But this one is very well done. And I think it's one that gets overlooked a lot. I certainly was overlooking it, hence why I haven't seen it since before two days ago. But it's a uh, it's very fun, very funny. It is a little more mature, I find, than most of the things on here. It's still a family movie. It's for kids. Kids can for sure watch it, but it's not it's not like finding the more. It's not it's not a kids film that's for sure yeah i really like the movie i like how as soon as he kills the the big bird it's like not even a second of celebration where they're instantly like great now the snake's not going to be afraid to come kill us all like it really was like oh this was not a heroic moment it was like we're in more trouble than we might have been before i like how the stakes just kept feeling like they were getting raised naturally um, you know, as the water progressively gets lower and lower, I liked that water was kind of currency in this Western, which is a really fun idea that I thought worked well with this little town that they were in. So yeah, as a whole, uh, you know, it, it might not be as kid-friendly as Finding Nemo, but very similar where I just, I just think it's a fun time. Does it do anything outside the box or unique? No, but it's, without a doubt, an absolute joy just to watch. Yeah, this was the last one I had to watch as well. I watched it for the first time uh, about a week ago. And uh, it's, it's really yeah. good. Other noms, I guess, um, some foreign films that I have not seen, unfortunately, and uh, Kung Fu Panda 2 and Puss in Boots. Oh my god. Puss in Boots didn't win? 
What? Yeah, there's actually, I just realized this. No Disney movies, Disney or Pixar yeah. movies were even nominated this year. Is that the only year that's happened? Has to be. I think it might be. That's tough. Did they not make like, a not movie? Not only they didn't they win. Was it Cars 2? I think it was Cars 2. Yeah, that <laughs> might be why. Cars 2 would have come out in 2011, yeah. Classic. All right, we can move on to number 13, which is another non-Disney film. But that's going to be Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. And it's really going to be me versus you two here. You guys are finally in agreement. You both have it at 16. I have it at 8, baby. Wait, oh, another year, actually. No Disney or Pixar nominated. Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, Because it's like Howl's Moving Castle and Corpse Bride. That's a really good group. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll pretty... Actually, that's weird. Two, no 3D animated movies nominated. It's all either oh. 2D or stop motion. Also oh, interesting. That's pretty cool. Two of them are stop motion. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm not going to fight you on Wallace and Gromit, though, because that movie's great. It's just, <laughs> yeah. I think other movies are <laughs> I better. Love this film. Yeah, I just, yeah, that's what I, I couldn't justify putting other things I have above it. I'm crackers about cheese, guys. Uh, that's all I gotta say. Crackers about cheese. It's Is just, that the line that went up for you? That really was. It's <laughs> hilarious. It's just such a fun and likable movie. I don't see how you could dislike it, you know? This whole movie. <laughs> it's, it's fun to dislike. That, that's a very good uh, this whole movie. I get Ardman's. This whole movie is just dad jokes about vegetables and rabbits. That's it. That's the movie. <laughs> a lot of puns. And that's all I, yeah, that's all I need. There will never be a better animated duo than Wallace and Gromit. Let's be real here. Yeah, I loved them both. They were both hilarious. I really like the moment where he goes into her vegetable garden. I don't know why this movie's so into vegetables. They're very it's, high it's on it. They're so horny for vegetables. They yeah. have like a vegetable festival, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, they do. Oh, yeah. And then they got a carrot trophy, which he uses as a bullet. Yeah, this movie, it gets real The wild. villain is amazing. But I absolutely love when he goes into her vegetable garden. He was like, ooh, nice melons. Cuts, and she's like holding up two melons in front of her. Classic. Peak comedy. There are a lot of sexual innuendos. Oh, it's yeah. Mostly having to do with vegetables. Like, like when he's in the car and they got like the big lady bunny robot on top. And he's got to like uh, seduce. Like the, the idea is that he's controlling it so that he can like seduce the monster they're trying to catch. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. How else would you catch a monster? I can't think of one. Yeah, that, that's it. Not in Wallace and Gromit world. I no. can't think of one. Yeah, this film is very much an outlier of all these nominations, where it's just, really, there's no plot. This is kind of like The Emperor's New Groove of stop motion, where it's just a bunch of jokes, and then they made a plot around it. Like, they, they, they were just, they sat down like, all right, we got a whiteboard and a marker. Bang out some puns with vegetables and bunnies. Let's go. Like, they just, they just sat down and were just making some real banger lines here. I like this movie a lot. I thought it was really fun. Uh, but yeah, you know, that's about it. Uh, if you guys, uh, 16 is a pretty fair placement. I was just a bigger fan. I was fan. moving Castle, should have won. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Like, I love this movie, but like, it's Miyazaki. I can't vote against him. Yeah, How's the Moving Castle is really good. Really, really good. But there's one thing, Trex. It doesn't have the line of crackers about cheese. That's it. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think Howell says that at any point in the movie. 
Yeah. And that's why I didn't win an Oscar. Yeah, I didn't see a flame mention that line, so you know. Dude, that's disappointing, man. I mean, you came up short this one time, Miss Ghibli. Oh, Miyazaki, I expect more. Yeah. Oh, I mean, too- crackers about cheese. <laughs> yeah, crackers about cheese. I don't cheese. think Miyazaki is crackers about cheese. I feel like he is. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, though, this would have been a pretty good time to have Alice Moving Castle win, because most, you know, Studio Ghibli's been snubbed a lot. And considering that no Disney was really competing here, like, this could have been its chance to break in. You, you are right there, Trex. And but, they gave it to Wallace and fucking To be know. fair, <laughs> back in the day, yeah. this is not how it is now, but back in the day, Ghibli films were distributed by Disney, and that's kind of why they got so much into the nominations, I think, was Disney was really pushing them. They got them, like, all-star casts and everything. I think... I, mean, I think they're also just great movies that deserve the awards, but oh, yeah. I think Disney might have helped contribute to that. That does make sense, yeah. No, that's probably it. It's kind of shocking that. I didn't realize it was the same year that Curse of the Were-Rabbit beat really one of the most universally loved animated films, Howl's Moving Castle. So, you know, yeah, it might not be the, might not be the best winner, but it is the funniest. And that's why it won. Only because Emperor's New Groove didn't win. Yeah, this was them correcting their mistake of not having this award a year earlier. Because Emperor's New Groove should have been in this group, baby. That that would have been. I think Emperor's New Groove not winning an Oscar. Like you know what? We need to make a category anime movie. Yeah, I think that's why they did it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like guys, we we kind of screwed up with not having this not Emperor's New Groove not nominated for anything. Let's rectify that and make an entire category in its honor. Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of like the people don't really talk about it that much, but it's very similar to the Dark Knight, where it really changes how they've reformatted the Oscars. It's, it's yeah, they really just has definitive films in, in American cinema, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna show my kids the two most influential films in the world: The Dark Knight and Emperor's New Groove. Yep, that's it. There's yeah. no other more influential films in history. No, just those two. It'd be a real good double feature. Oh yeah. yeah. All right, uh, we can move on to number two, or sorry, number 12 here. And at number 12, we have one of the newer films in this group, and that's Soul. So Tristan has that 14, I have it at 13, and Trex has it at 9. So once again, we're all pretty similar. We're all pretty close, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a pretty good movie. Uh, I don't know what else you can say. I, I like this yeah. film a lot. Soul is good. I like I, I like Soul quite a bit. It is once again not better than any of the movies I have above it. I think that's 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 the biggest thing. You know, it just when you're talking only about best animated pictures, they're all Oscar winning films. They're all mostly pretty freaking good. It just gets tough to put in which ones you like more. And Soul Soul I felt had some scenes that are phenomenal, and then at other points it kind of just dragged. I think like I don't know. I think this was definitely one of I think this was kind of the film that kind of set in for me, like, yo, Pixar might actually be back, you know? After being, like, pretty hit or miss, I think, during the 2020s, like, they were they've had, yeah. like, a pretty great string of movies recently. I agree, but it didn't start with Soul. It started <laughs> with started, Onward, which I like I, way more than Soul, and I think deserved to win that. I agree that it started with Onward. I don't think it's better than Onward, but I think, I don't know, I think Soul is better than Onward. I do agree that the trend of good movies from them started with Onward, and honestly might actually be Toy Story 4 now that I think about it, but let's not bring that back up again. 
I'm not surprised this one beat Onward. The soul being more beloved by more people. I personally really, really connected with, with Onward, and I love that movie a lot. But Soul is very good. And I, I particularly the barbershop scene. The barbershop scene oh, great. is usually the scene that stands out the most for me for Soul, and I absolutely love that. One of those truly great animated scenes, I think, that we have from Barbershop scene and Soul. Barbershop scene, I think, was definitely one of the best scenes for me. Although I'd say what probably takes the cake is like the piano scene where he's just reflecting on his life. And I think that's ultimately sums up the movie and what it's about. It's just the idea that chasing your dream isn't really all that life has to offer. And it can almost sort of box you in. And when you finally let go of that, life just opens up so much more. And I just, I really like that this film kind of deals with these themes that aren't really like relevant to kids. I think like this is definitely one of their most mature movies. Not only because yeah, for sure. Like they drop a few mild swears in here, but it's also just, I think kids can enjoy the movie, but I don't think they'll connect with it in the same way adults do. Yeah. I, I like soul a lot. And I agree with both of you guys. I really think Pixar has, really upped their game lately you know like in the 2010s era it's fun but it's very much just sequels and movies kids will like you know an exception of like inside out and stuff like that and coco and coco sorry (laughs) i was just thinking inside out because it's similar to soul but i think lately they really have kind of gotten into this redemption era where i personally love onward i think it's one of my favorite pixar films i think soul is a better movie. I actually think it's a better winner than Onward. Because, you know, Onward is messy, but it's more so personal for me. I, I just really connected with it. But Soul, then, I, I'll beat this drum till the day I die. I think Luca is amazing. And then even Turning Red, which I wasn't even a huge fan of, I still think it is an extremely well-made film. I think Pixar is back, baby. We're in the full stride of things. And Soul is a perfect encapsulation of that, where it hits a lot of adult themes but it's still super fun and adorable. Kids can still enjoy it. The barber scene might be like one of the best scenes Pixar's had in, in the last decade. Like it is just really, really well made. Um, it's just a great movie. Thirteen might seem low for my placement here, but it's just because I I don't think they screw up that much with the wins here. Like I think a lot of the winners are really good. Uh, I I think Soul would probably be my pick for the winner of that year uh, for best animated film. I would have to see the roster again, but I think this is just a great example of Pixar, uh, you know, uh, even though they get a lot of wins, it's for a good reason. Pixar makes some really good films. Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree with that. I think, I mean, we'll have to see if, if Lightyear can continue the trend. Hopefully. As for other nominations, Onward, obviously. I love it, but I still think Soul is better. And then Wolf Walkers, I also, I th- I do think again Soul is the better movie, but I kind of wish Wolf Walkers won because Cartoon Saloon, all four of their films have been nominated, not a single one has won yet, and that really is disappointing for me because they make really great two D animated films. Yeah, I actually forgot about Wolf Walkers. I take back my entire statement. Pixar gets too many wins. They're overrated. Wolf Walkers. <laughs> is awesome that should have won i forgot about that wolf walkers is really good i don't know which one should have won over wolf my personal for onward so if wolf walkers won it would not only be a great win for cartoon saloon but it would kind of prove that 2d animation has its place because it's the only the second 2d animated movie ever yeah exactly because you like you look at this list it's almost all 
3D animation because that's, that's all studios are willing to make. But if this won, it would show studios that there is a market for it. But apparently a, not a market for the Academy because they just did not vote for it. Yeah. Oh, really? Especially Klaus over Toy Story 4. Give me a fucking break, Oscars. Yeah, that one feels like more of the, the real real loss compared to Wolf and Wolf Walkers and Soul. That's a bigger gap for me, yeah. Uh, Klaus is my favorite of the four. Toy Story 4 is my least favorite of the four. Soul and Wolf Walkers are, are pretty close. I love them both. Uh, I would give the edge to Wolf Walkers, and I do think that'd be a, a bigger win for animation because I agree with Trex that we kind of, you know, we all know Pixar is amazing. Like, like, let's acknowledge equally amazing, if not maybe even better animated films um, that people might not be as aware about. You know, is anybody going to yeah. watch Wolfwalkers? Uh, they, they might have if it actually won. People might have tuned in and checked it out, and they should because yeah. it's great. I, I should have brought this up at the beginning, like in during the intro, but I think I've, one of my biggest gripes with, the cat, with the, this category is that you'll see, you hear very similar comments from the people who vote on this category, and they'll just sort of say something along the lines of, Oh, I voted for the kid. The I voted for the movie that my kid liked the most, and they they've said on multiple times that they do not watch all of the nominations. They just vote it's, for what their kid wanted. It's very fucking super dumb. It's really annoying because this isn't a category. It's not the category isn't best kids movie. That's not the category. The category is best animated movie, and those are two very different. And and it, I, and it shouldn't be decided by children. I just think if you're not going to watch all the nominations. What's even the point of nominating films that aren't Pixar? Yeah, and kids don't know what a good animated film is. Adults do. The kids don't appreciate yeah, Klaus. Get out of here. Kids are dumb, man. You guys... If kids were voting, like, freaking Boss Baby would have won, right? Yeah. Is this the Kids' Choice yeah. Awards? Get out of here. They're not the oh. voters. What are you doing? I mean, the Kids' Choice Awards probably sounds more fun to watch than the Oscars, so... <laughs> I don't know. Does Will Smith beat up any kids in there? I hope so. <laughs> no, but That'd John Cena is there, and that's all I really need in life. That's true. All right. We can move on to the next film here at number 11. And uh, this might be a little bit more exciting because we have Frozen. Really? Yeah. So, okay. probably the biggest difference I think we'll have on this entire list Trex has it at 18. I'm right dab in the middle on the placement that it's at. Or eleven, and Tristan has it at five. Yeah, what the hell, tricks? Why do you have it so low? I it's I I mean, this definitely has the syndrome the syndrome of uh, everyone was talking about it, everyone loved it, and thus it got overplayed and was kind of annoying. Um, but it's a lot like Big Hero Six, where it's like, you know what? It's a good movie. I actually think it. I actually placed it above Big Hero Six, so I think it's like it's a good six out of ten verging on 7 out of 10 movie. I just think I just didn't like some elements as much as others. I like I like the main trio. I think um, Anna, Kristoff, and Olaf are like, they're pretty strong actually. I don't actually hate Olaf in this movie. Everywhere else he's annoying as crap, but in this movie he's actually like kind of good. And I think I like the snow and all that. Like the setting I think is cool. I just, I don't really find Elsa that interesting. And the villain and everything, I just was dumb. The twist villain. This was definitely, I think, when people got really sick of twist villains because this one just wasn't that good. And I do not like the rock trolls. Fuck those guys. 
Yeah, that, that's fair about the, the rock trolls. And the twist villain obvious. I, I think when they started marking the movie as pick the ice guy or the nice guy, we knew who the bad guy was before the movie started. But I, I, I love this movie. I really, really like Frozen. I love the music. I love the characters. I like the animation. I like Olaf a lot in this one. I think Elsa's best in the original Frozen. I think, I think her and, and, and subsequent things, maybe her character gets a little more confusing and convoluted but i think her character in frozen i really like i like i like this movie a lot this is just like a personal pick for me here five is probably a little high objectively speaking but on a personal level i connect with this one a whole lot and i just really like okay that's fair <laughs> i actually didn't bring up the music i think i'd say like most of the songs are like pretty good like i think I all like... but the song summer summer is the only one that really really uh, swing and a miss for me i like, I do not like the Rock Troll song. I actually do kind of like Summer, just because I think it's... It's actually pretty funny, I think. Just... Maybe it's just that one line where he's like... The puddle? The puddle thing, yeah. I just, I yeah, like yeah. It's got a couple good jokes in there. The Rock Troll song, probably, you know, it's fine. But, it's yeah, fine. the rest of the music, particularly the first time in Forever Reprise, that song slaps real hard. I like the animation. I like the characters a lot. I would, like let it go. Overplayed as hell, but still, it's like, most it's definitely song. overplayed. That that's that that's one hundred percent fair. A Frozen is most definitely overplayed. They're still making Frozen merchandise, even though we are, you know, nearly a decade out from the original film. It's, I'm sick uh, of seeing every all the characters' faces everywhere. Yeah, but I don't want to knock the movie because of that. No, you're absolutely right about that. I'm not. Like, this is just my personal opinion on it, but it, it does not affect, like, how, if I think the movie is objectively good or not. Like, if it's overplayed or not, that's not the movie's fault. Yeah, at that point, the movie's just a victim of its own That's really. Yeah. Yeah, I just like the movie. I, you know, the, the story's kind of traditional, but I think Olaf is probably one of the best comedy relief characters in an animated film. They're normally a huge miss for me. But I think his jokes are really funny. I think he's really entertaining. I like almost all of the main characters. I don't think I find any character really that annoying. Elsa's kind of one-noted, but I think she works as a side character. You know, she, She's not a main character until we get to Frozen 2, which I guess might be the reason why it's not as good. Because I think everyone else is really compelling. I think Kristoff's super fun. I like his relationship with Sven. I like Anna a lot. Even, like, the villain is so stupidly cartoonish that I think it's kind of fun on a rewatch. Like, I, I crack up every time. He's like, oh, you need a kiss from a true love? Well, too bad no one loves you. Like, <laughs> what a That fun. scene is perfect. That scene's so good. It's, it's so hilarious. It's so cartoonish and dumb. That, like, I like it. I, I laugh every time. He's like... Well, too bad no one loves you, bitch. Like, what a fucking guy. He's hilarious. I think you would have a point. It's just, I think that the movie plays this whole, like, twist yeah. villain thing so seriously that I just, I didn't find it very, like, enjoyable I, in that sense, that it was too goofy, because the movie's playing it, like, deadly serious. The film thinks I really should have given him a villain song. I think that's what Hans really needed to be, you know, recognize him on the great Disney villain. He doesn't have his own villain song. I that's think a good that's point. kind of a, a myth. And he'd he have a good that, villain yeah. song. I like that. Um, and what's the song where him and Anna meet each other? What was that song called? 
Oh, uh, Love is an Open Door. Love is an Open Door. That's a good song. I think that's a really fun song. One that no one really talks about. A Let It Go, even though it's overplayed as hell, I still really like the song. I'm a guy that doesn't even like songs, but I think this is probably one of the best groups of music, of really, of all these nominations, except for maybe Encanto. Uh, this might be the best group of songs since the Renaissance period. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Good. I think so, yeah. No, the songs... I, I do think a villain song might have actually made him like a decent villain. Or maybe if they just revealed him a bit earlier. Yeah, I agree. Earlier would have been better, too. Yeah, a little earlier and possibly give him a villain song. Maybe yeah. give him an evil-looking outfit once he, he reveals he's the bad guy. I just think the, tw- the, the key to a great twist villain is that their pre-twist and post-twist versions of each other don't feel completely incompatible. I agree. Like, you can see how this person is actually more like the evil version of that person. But, like, here it's just, like, they're so not the same person at all that it kind of bugs me. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. And, unfortunately, Disney really has gone for the twist villain rabbit hole because very few times it works. When I think the reason why the the, the, the nineteen ninety Disney films are amazing. Like, obviously, it might be biasedness. But I think the reason why they're so good is because the villains are so outlandishly villainous. It's really fun. And, yeah, they, they need to lean into it more. Like, like the twist with Coco and this and Zootopia. And, and, you know, what other twist villains are? Big Hero 6. They have such a contrast between the two sides of that character. And, like, they, they don't lean into the goofiness of the villains. The reason why Ursula and Jafar and Scar are so fucking amazing is because they're so hilariously evil. I love it. Like, their character designs are intensely over-the-top evil. They can't do that anymore because they gotta surprise us. They gotta have, like, the adorable sheep or, like, the fun singer that dresses like Elvis. Like, they gotta have, like, the character designs look more normal and boring when, like, they're supposed to be outlandishly evil. It's an animated movie. Just make, like, make it live action if you're going to make them normal looking. Like, they got to lean into the wackiness of the 90s, which I think they're going to start doing more. Like, I think Akanto is very stylistic in that way. There was no, like, actual villain. So I'm yeah, hoping, no bad guy yeah, I'm hoping Disney's going to change it up. I guess Frozen 2 and Encanto might show that they might just not have any bad guys anymore at the rate that they're going. I'm fine with that. Fine. I don't think every anime yeah. needs a villain. No. But they're going to have one, yeah. I think they got to stop the surprise villains. I've been surprised enough. I don't care anymore. I'll go back I to the I feel like games. they've really slowed down on twist villains. Like, when was the last twist villain, even? It's been a while. I think Zootopia. I think 2016. It's been a while. Yeah. Or is Coco newer? Coco's newer. Coco's Sorry. 2016. Coco, yeah. So maybe after Coco. Yeah, it has been a while. And I like that. They actually, they had a surprise not villain in Toy Story 4. Yeah. Which I actually really like. That was my favorite part about Toy Story 4. So, you know, looks like they're changing it up, which is good. Uh, I think we're done with the surprise villain. Let's go back to the wacky bad guys. Villain songs. They're, they're, like, those are the best songs. Come on. Yeah, I want more villain songs. We don't get any good yeah. villain songs. Yeah. Or just no villain. I like no villain. Yeah. But you know, villain is no also villain. good. I don't think every one of them needs All right. Anything else about Frozen? Are we ready to crack into the top 10? What's number 10, then? All right, so we're cracking into our top 10, which is where all the ties are going to start taking place, really. Uh, And so once again, 9 and 10 are tied. And we have the very first animated film of all time to win Best best Animated Film for the Oscars. 
to start off the top 10, and that is going to be Shrek. So Somebody yeah, so. once told me. Yeah, that. speaking of great music, we got Shrek here. Shrek says it at 15, I have it at 10, and Tristan has it at 7. Shrek is a masterpiece. This is a near-perfect film. I absolutely love Shrek. That's a good movie. I, I, like I think Shrek's the first movie I've ever seen in theaters. This movie is so good. I, I, I think it holds up really well still. The animation, it looks old. The animation style looks old. But because it, but it, it is. Other than that, I think everyone else about this movie holds up really well. It's hilarious. The song selection's fantastic. The story, the love story between Shrek and Fiona and Donkey, of course, being in there. I love, I love this movie so much. I think this movie's fantastic. I think it's like, it's, again, it's, Shark is just kind of one of those movies where it's like, most people, a few, um, there's a few, like, sticklers out there, but, like, most people agree, like, it's a great movie. Like, even revisiting back now, like, I still think the characters are, like, really interesting. I think the movie's still really funny. Like, I know this is such a meme, but I love the Onion bit, <laughs> where they're just going back and forth like that. I I have it pretty much memorized. I just think it's like a really funny gag. And the rest of the movie is just really funny too. Because it does lean more into like adult humor that like, it's not just kids that find it funny. It's like everybody. And like even like, like the more immature like poop and fart jokes. I feel like it's not as bad. And like they serve a purpose to kind of make, make kind of Shrek's sort of general vibe and, like, how it contrasts with, like, what society thinks of him. I think that's kind of the main strength of this movie is the whole he wants to be loved, but no one else really wants to give him a chance, and I really like that angle. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out, Trek, because that's a, something that I never really considered. But normally, poop and fart jokes are my least favorite part about kid movies because they're just, like, so dumb and pointless just to, like, try and get kids to giggle. Like, it's just very pointless. But in this film... I never once had an issue with it because it's a fucking ogre, right? Like, like, it's literally a gross, despicable pr- creature. So, of course, it's going to be farting and burping a lot. So, it, it actually works in this movie. I actually think it's funny when he, like, barps and burps and farts because it kind of fits with his character personality. But I also just really like Shrek and Donkey. I think that's what makes this film really, really good is the two of them together is a little bit of a road trip of just these two guys. And they're just so naturally fun together because one of them is just wanting a friend and one of them is just not wanting a friend. It's just really fun to have both these guys on a trip together. I think Lord Farquaad is a fantastic villain. Uh, you know, speaking of very cartoonish and over-the-top villains, Farquaad is something else. He's a very creepy guy and I fucking love him. I like the uh, little Farquaad stand where they sing a little song to introduce everybody to this little t- city. Uh, everything about the film. It's charming. It's fun. I don't think it's aged bad at all. I watched it a few months ago, and I, and I had a great time. Uh, right at number 10. Perfect. Very yeah, fun and film. I love all the fairy tale tropes. I haven't even mentioned those yet. They keep making fun of and shoehorning in different fairy tale tropes and jokes and everything. I, I think they did that in a great way. Yeah. I, like, I love how Fiona's character, where it's like, the conventional wisdom is like, oh, she's got the transformation side and she's got like the normal side. At the end, she's supposed to reveal her true form when she finally finds her love. And I love how it's actually the transformed ogre side that wins out. And it's kind of just, it reinforces this message where it's what's on the inside that counts. And I, I actually really liked how they subverted that trope. And it's just kind of the perfect anti-fairy tale and anti-Disney film. Like, I think the pop songs actually factor into a lot of this. A lot of the times pop songs annoy me, 
But like here, it's like it's sort of going against like the typical musical renaissance type thing that they got going. And it's like, oh, hey, it's just it's Smash Mouth or something. And I, yeah. I really like that. It feels rebellious just by the music, which I like. And and the ending's great. How yeah, she says, "Oh, I thought it was supposed to be beautiful." And Shrek goes, "You are beautiful." Like it, that's great. Like that's a real powerful moment at the end of the movie. It's great. Uh, I like Shrek a lot. Monsters Inc. Though. Well, that, that's the thing, you know. Monsters Inc. I don't know if you guys know. It is I think Shrek was a worthy winner. It's a good winner. Good winner, especially with the absolute powerhouse Pixar becomes in this category. I, I think the more and more they win, the more and more I'm happy Shrek ended up pulling this victory because it's kind of pathetic how DreamWorks is, does very poorly here. But, yeah. you know, Monsters, Inc. is one of my favorite animated films of all time. So obviously I think that's the better movie. But I think Shrek's a good winner. Yeah, no, it's like, this is actually, without Ardman's help, this is the only film DreamWorks has ever won, which is weird because, like, they pretty consistently get nominated at the very least. But yeah. And then you got the weird outlier of Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius getting a nomination. What were they thinking? What do you mean outlier? Good for Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, what do you mean outlier, Trax? Uh, Jimmy Neutron yeah. should have won. What a good movie. It's just like, it's so, like, I'm looking at this list of, like, everything that's ever been nominated, and to have a, I think this came out before the TV show. I'm more familiar with the TV show, but. It did, yeah, it came out before the TV show. I think it's just weird that so early on, I guess this is kind of like when they didn't know what they wanted for the category, because, like, it kind of goes back to the thing where, like, this would not get nominated nowadays. No, I think it also shows that there's a lot more animated movies being made nowadays. When back in 2001, I think there were just less. So, you know, Nickelodeon made movies, you know, that were spin off into TV shows like Jimmy Neutron could have a shot at being nominated, but now, now they just won't. I'm not saying the movie's bad. I've never seen it. I just think it's... It's not awful. All right. So coming in at number nine, which uh, Wait, was... Wait, can we go back to the, to the 2001, though? Because I when they announced yeah. they would show the, the animated characters sitting in the audience of the Oscars. And they're just Mike Wazowski and Sully there clapping when Shrek won. And they show animated Shrek getting up and walking towards the stage or whatever. And they should totally bring that back. All right? How come they could do that back in 2001? They can't do it now in 2022. All right. They 100% should bring that back. I want to see Jimmy Neutron in the audience of the Oscars. I was really hoping that someone brought that up because that I loved how they used to do that. Like, do they do it after? Or did they only do it the very first time? I don't think I've ever done it. But I remember seeing a clip where they did it where it's like Lightning McQueen and Mater were in the audience and like the penguin from Happy Feet were. So they did it a little bit later. Uh, but nowadays they don't do it at all, and it's just boring as crap. Yeah. I think in 2015 they had like animated Buzz and Woody present the award to Inside Out, but that's it. I think oh, they, you're totally right. They should do that more. They should do it. They should, and like, especially presenting the award with like Woody and Buzz, like that's great. Especially because kids will instantly recognize who's announcing yeah. the awards. They should better. have the animated yeah. characters from the movie that won it last year present the ones for this year. They should. That, that is really with, fun. With the best that'd, be, that'd be so good. Like you have, I guess Joe and Tina Fey present it to Encanto. Yeah, I don't know. That'd be cool. Yeah, have the two souls up there. Like, yeah, that'd be really fun. 
Yeah, I'm kind of convinced. That I, I think that would just make it more exciting for the Oscars, right? Like, they really kind of treat the animated category as like a sideburn award. And maybe it's because Pixar and Disney wins every time. It's really not that exciting. Oh, who's going to win? Because we kind of know every single time. Well, that's because so, they don't watch the nominees. They just vote for the next Pixar or Disney film. I know. So I figured if they yeah. had the announcers and like the you know the characters in the audience like it might just make more excitement for this award maybe they'll start caring more for it and actually watch the movies because i do feel like this is one of the best categories in the oscars and it gets sidelined every time to be fair though i think that like for this to happen each company that makes a film has to like make these animations and you know they might not just have the time for that especially for like an indie film i don't think they'd like have the but budget I think the indie to... ones, honestly, be the ones more excited about. I mean, they're going to be present their work at the Oscars, and they get an opportunity, you know, to create something that will specifically be made for the Oscars for their award, either winning or, at the very least, being nominated for the highest award it can be nominated for. That's huge for these indie companies, and most of the time, from what I can tell, they're the ones that are super excited about their film being nominated for these kind of things, and will go above and beyond and do these sort of extra work, even if they're not getting paid for it. They're just, you know for the oscar ceremony more more animation than they'd have to i think they'd be right. they'd be 100 be on board but they might not have the time or budget to do it especially that's for true you're company. right it will it will come at a cost that that's a good i obviously i'd love if they all did it but they, even if it's just the big companies who do it i think it'd just make it a hell of a lot more interesting i think so yeah all right, so coming in at number nine, which was tied with Shrek, and ironically enough, the very first film to be nominated for, or sorry, the very first film to win the Academy Award for Best Animated Film is tied with the latest film to win the Academy Award, and that is going to be Encanto. This one is tied with Shrek. I have it at 12, Trex has it at 11, and Tristan has it at 9. We all have it pretty pretty close there. Yeah, all within like the same four. Yeah, and, and Wait, who had it last? Uh, Quinn had it lowest, I think, right? At twelve, yeah, one behind Trex. Okay, but yeah, we're all pretty similar, and for good reason. I, I think I I watched this twice now, and on the second time, it really made me appreciate this movie. I I just think the film is delightfully fun. I think this is some of the best music we've had since the Renaissance period. I really, really like Surface Pressure. I really like the animation style. I love the lead. I normally find the leads annoying. I think the lead's a very charming and very fun. Yeah, I, 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 I like think that's the this. one thing. They made her super likable. I don't know how you can watch this movie and not just fall in love with her character I love right her. from the beginning. Yeah. And I think that's the absolute biggest strength this movie has, and I think that's huge. Um, just how lovable and how I think everyone can relate and connect with her um, almost immediately when watching this film. I, I think that's probably one of the biggest strengths in a movie that I think has a lot of strength. Yeah, I think like the characters are honestly, I think what makes this movie work so well for me, at least because like you mentioned the main character. She's great, obviously, but I love the side characters. I think each yeah. one of them gets just the right amount of screen time where it's like the ones who really need like a good character arc like the really strong one yeah or Louisa the beautiful one like the, the fan favorite uh, character coming out of this movie the, the louisa the strong one yeah and like even character even much more minor characters like the i think his name is like camilo or like the two dads they still come off as like incredibly memorable 
And I think it just does a really good job balancing all of these characters to where, like, you can't really point... I don't even think, like, even though, like, yeah, there's the whole aspect of they don't really value Mirabelle enough, I still think they come off as, like, pretty likable. They do, yeah. They most of them come off as loving and they care for her. Um, even when they are sort of pushing her aside because she doesn't have power to the rest of them. Uh, I think the whole family is really well-developed. They're all really awesome. I think, I think Louise, in particular, is super well-developed. Probably because she just has the best song in the movie with Surface Pressure. And the music, some we haven't mentioned either, is being very, very good. Oh, the music in this movie is top-notch. Uh, the musical like, numbers in particular, you know, they, I think Quinta mentioned this earlier about having the, the great big musical numbers. A lot, a, lot, a lot of these more recent Disney movies that have music don't really put emphasis on the big music numbers I did back in the 90s. The Canto kind of feels like a, a return to form for the big music number, numbers in these animes. Yeah, like, usually I can point to a song in one of these movies and say, okay, that one I didn't really like as much, like, the rock troll one. But here, like, I love just about every piece of music here. It's all really catchy, and they really do a good job diving into these characters and uh, what they're about. And they always set the right tone for a scene. And just the way they're actually animated with, like, all the characters dancing along to it, it just gives this movie such an energetic vibe to it. Yeah, I have nothing really else to add for Ecanto because I think we just went into quite a bit for the 2021 ranking when we did that a few months ago. But pretty much all my pros and cons stand uh, for what I said. I think the uh, the one sister who makes the flowers, I think she's really good for the first two thirds. And then I don't really like the uh, the edgy teen transformation, similar to like the twist villain. The contrast is so blatantly weird that it just doesn't work for me. But on the flip side, like Trek said, almost every other character, we just we get just enough camera time with each and every one of them to actually get like a feeling for their personality and for where they fit in the family. Louisa is one of my favorite characters from last year for animation. Like I thought, I I just think she's wonderful. I love her so much. And yeah, I think the fact that it's only like an hour and a half, it's such an easy watch. I've watched it twice. And uh, my fiance wants to watch it this week. Like, like, she, like she wants to watch it already. Like, she loves the movie. So it's just so easily rewatchable, which really helps with putting this high on the list. Like if, if you can watch the movie over and over and still want to come back, like that's a sign of a good film. It's a good winner. I also just like love the lesson at the end of the day, which is like, says like, we should not push these expectations on our kids. We shouldn't it kind of examines how we all kind of think like, oh, they're like the special kids who can do these, all these amazing things and how we put too much emphasis on those people. And it kind of leaves people like Maribel to the wayside who weren't given a gift. And it kind of breaks down that whole dichotomy. And even like the grandma or abuela, a lot of people give her a lot of shit for what she did in this movie. But I think like based on her life experience, her actions make sense. That doesn't make them right. But it makes sense, and then I think that's why they were able to come to an understanding in the movie. There really is no villain, but there's still conflict that naturally happens with everyone involved. And I think that's what makes it fun. All right, anything you got to say about Encantatrist, or are you good? Uh, I'm good. I, I like Encanto a lot. I like all characters in particular, I think, and how relatable the majority of the family is to the audience. I think one of the the strength of this movie, sort of that the heart and soul of the film is the the characters themselves for sure, very character development. Yeah. Well, he should have won. 
What should have won? Flea. Flea. I haven't seen Flea. So I, I can't say. I can't say. Yeah, personally. I was looking for Michelle for the machines, though, personally. I love that. That yeah. would have been a great winner, too. Ironically enough, Encanto's my fourth favorite of the five nominations. But I still love it. Was it was a really good gift for yeah, animation. It was really good. Like, the fact that it cool. was my fourth favorite of the five, and it's number nine on this list. It just shows how much I, I liked this group a lot. Yeah, I just, uh, I just think Flea was, like, way more unique and innovative than just about anything that's won the category in the last, well, for as long as it's ever existed. Yeah. I wanted Flea to get, get one win. That's all. I didn't care where it was. I just wanted it to get a win, and it didn't. Because it had, like, three knobs, right? Yeah. Yep. I'm not even surprised at this point. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. you just kind of hope it wins, but it never does. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was me. I even put it on my predictions. I predicted it was going to take one win. It was unlikely. I was wrong. Each category it was nominated in, there was an obvious win. Like, yeah. Encanto, Drive My Car, Summer of Soul. I feel like those were more obvious wins. Yeah. All right, so we can move on to number eight here. And we have a three-way tie. So six, seven, and eight are all tied here. But... Rounding up in eighth place, we have Zootopia. Zootopia? Yeah, yeah. Z- what? <laughs> Zootopia. What? Uh, you know, uh, we have Trex at number 14. I have it at four, and Tristan has it at three. What are you doing, Trex? What? It's like, it's a pretty good movie. It's like a solid eight out of ten movie for me. It's just, I like other films better. Uh, Zootopia's. I think Zootopia is probably one of the, one of one of the best animations ever. That's why I got a top three here on the list of what the Oscars seem to be the best animated movies ever made. I really, really like Zootopia from start to finish. I think it's a super fun ride. At, you know, I don't know what this tricks guy is saying, but fourteenth. That's that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's just like you know, it's good. I think it it's a fun, very funny movie, very creative movie. When I compare this to like other movies that have um have like animals living like everyday people, when you compare it to something like Sing, it's just so much more creative in how the world works. Um, and I, I think the film also has a lot to say. I like how it's sort of it it is not I would not call it like a a one to one allegory for like real world racial politics, but it's definitely like it's a I think it's more of like a cautionary tale using like the animal kingdom, something the kids can understand to warn them of the dangers of prejudice. And I really like that aspect of the film. I just think like, you know, the villain's kind of lame. That's really my only complaint about it though. I think it's a great movie. Yeah. I think it's a, a near perfect film. The villain being a little lame, is probably the only thing not, not a hundred percent perfect, but I, uh, I think it does a really, really great job at teaching kids, you know, sort of the basics of racial issues and, and social justice issues. That, that, you know, a modern-day world is facing and the sort of modern-day animal world is facing. And I, it, it does it in a way that's still funny, hilarious, and develops some really great and lovable characters. It, it's really hard to find any flaws with this movie, and that's why I have it so high up. I, I think this movie just... It exceeds in every way. Yeah, like... I think the main, the two main leads are great. I love their chemistry with each other. And also another aspect I kind of liked was that the main girl, like Judy, 
she also is kind of prejudiced, you know? She has yeah, to kind I'm of sure. overcome that. It's not just, oh, the villains are like the evil racist ones. Like, even our main character has to kind of face that within herself. Yeah, and that's what makes it so impressive. It really shows, like, you can be a good person, but still find flaws within yourself. And still find you are precious. You are judging people too quick. And, and it shows that, you know, two kids and, and kids that are, uh, you know, maybe raised in... I don't know where I'm going with that. But I, I think, you know, I, I think a lot of people can learn something from, particularly young kids who tackling tougher issues, but still doing it in a way that kids can relate to and understand and they, uh, hopefully learn something. But of course, the main goal is to watch a fun and enjoyable film, which this one knocks it out of the park. Also, I didn't really find uh, that many of the side characters that interesting. Like, the sloth is hilarious. Sloth seems like the best scene in the movie. It's like none of the other characters really stood out to me as like all that memorable. It really is a movie that focuses on the two leads. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not by any means an ensemble film or a film with a large cast. All the other characters are side characters and background characters, and they're, they're used as such for the most part. I Sorry. guess that might be a knock that, you know, Zootopia and, like, the very broad world building that they have, like Chuck said, uh, the way that they made this world work with all the different animals, it feels real. It feels like, wow, okay, like, th- that makes sense, how they all get their coffees differently or they enter the bus differently. The way it all is set up is really well thought out and really great. But with this giant world building, it is kind of, I guess, a bit of a bummer that it's really just two people. Like, it's not an ensemble movie. It's not like Toy Story where you get to see like a bunch of cool animals interacting together. It's really just Buzz and Woody in this one. Maybe in Zootopia 2, it might be more of an ensemble flick. But I think the two leads are amazing. And you guys both pointed out that our lead character, Judy Hopps, is, it does fall under like, you know, issues with having prejudice. And I think that that's a tone that they hit on with her throughout the whole movie, how she is one of the most heroic characters, really, in any Disney film. Like, she is a really great hero. She wants to do the right thing. She wants to save the, you know, save the city or, you know, help out with everything. She was a girl, super young, right at the beginning of the film, so keen to really change the world and be this, you know, hero that everyone can look up to, a really strong female character that still falls under prejudice. We get this tone throughout the whole film. It's not just a racial thing from this movie, but when they go to the nude colony, she's grossed out by everything and she doesn't want to be there the entire time. And she's surprised that the nudist knew where the next clue was. She instantly had prejudice against them because they were in a nude colony, similar to the bully when she went back to her hometown. She had this prejudice that he was still going to be a bad person. She was shocked that he was friendly and nice and working with her parents with running the farm. Like she's always having prejudice towards other people. And it's not really a villainous flaw with her. It's just a natural flaw that she overcomes because of the entire theme of this film. So I think the tone of prejudice and how you instantly judge people based off of your preconceived notions of them, whether they're, you know, predators or, you know, uh, nudists or whatever the issue may be, sometimes you have prejudice and you got to set that aside because that's an issue that you need to handle eternally. And I thought that the film handled it extremely well, especially for kids. I think using the animals was a great decision because it felt like you can connect with it without really you know, being preachy about it, like you would get with a lot of other movies. So I, I love this film. And I think uh, they visit all the different worlds, the jungle, the the frozen area, like they visit all the different worlds that the animals have in this giant world. Naturally, it doesn't feel like we're just 
going on a little journey to visit each section. Like it fits well with this mystery we're trying to solve. And sure, the answer at the end might not be the best, but I'm all about the journey, baby. <laughs> like I love this film. I, I think the film is really, really fun. I've seen it about four times now, I think, uh, since it came out. And I, I've loved it every time. I, it's really fun. Now, I, I agree with you. I think my only gripe with that was like, I don't think the nude colony thing was necessarily prejudiced. I just think she just didn't want to see their junk. And I think that's kind of understandable. Right, but she was instantly like, what are we doing here? They're not going to help us out. Like, she was instantly just holding preconceived notions on, oh, well, they're probably just lazy and just laying around on the <laughs> grass naked all day. Like, they, they, they wouldn't be able to help us out. So I think, I, th I think that was touching on the tone of how she was prejudging people based off little information. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think I probably already know your guys' answer, but do you think this should have won over Moana? Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely do. I like no Moana part. a lot. Moana's really good. Moana's good. Moana's really good. But it's, it's nowhere near as good as Utopia. I'm going to have to hard disagree with you on that. I think Moana's way better. That's what? I, just, I, I, really I, like, I like it a lot. I just I love what? the characters a bit more. I, the music is great. The music's uh, good. Maybe, it's, got, it's got some good songs. Maybe I just really like the setting. Um, I know it doesn't necessarily take place strictly on Hawaii, but like I used to live in Hawaii for two years, and I thought that was like really interesting. I'm not gonna say I'm like an expert on the culture or anything, but yeah. I just thought it was like really cool to see all of that on like a big, big budget kind of film. And I think I don't know. I just I really like that film, and that's not even the film I think should have won that year. I think it should have been one of the other nominees. My life is a zucchini, uh, but that's just me. That's the only one from this year I haven't actually seen, um, so I can't say anything about this. But I think Zurika is absolutely the term. Zurika? You mean the board game? Zurika. I call it Zurika, whatever. I got Zootropolis written out on my, on my list here. I, I noticed that. <laughs> yeah, because it's like... Um... Yeah, yeah, that's the European name for it. Zurika is a board game. We <laughs> play but, you know what? I will, I will give you this. Zootopia, I think, probably... It deserves the award just because I think, like, sure, I think Moana is the better movie, but I think Zootopia touches on more important themes and all that. And I think that's probably yeah, why it's sure a lot more Zootopia the win. than with Moana. Moana does feel a little more like your standard hero's journey. Um, yeah, I, but it's awesome. It, it's a good movie. It's a very good movie. Yeah, also, I did not like the song in Zootopia. Oh, uh, there's only one, and it was, it was fine. It was supposedly purposefully like, Overly poppy and and just a generic pop song. Right? It's understandable. Um, I just I didn't like it. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, it's it is that song is what it is. It's not the reason you watch the movie. That's for sure. Whereas with Moana, it, part of the reason you watch the movie is for the music. Right? The music. Yeah, it's such a small part of Zootopia. You're right. You know. Yeah, it's not. It's not like Zootopia is a musical. Then the music sucks. Oh, a musical with bad music is awful. But uh, yeah, this is just a movie that happens to have a song. Yeah. All right, so coming in at number seven, uh, which was tied with Zootopia, we have the best title for a Pixar film, Ratatouille. Ooh. Which uh, Tristan has at 12, I have at seven, and Trex has at two. Ooh. At two. Big, big fan of the old rat, eh? Incredibly so. <laughs> big fan of the old rat. I will eat anything that rat puts down. 
I like the movie a lot. I, I guess I'll quickly say my piece because I'm the guy in the middle. I, I, I think the film is really good. I think uh, it's just another classic Pixar film. The only reason why I don't have it any higher is because it doesn't, it doesn't have like that moment for me that goes, okay, yeah, this is one of the greatest films of all time. Like, this is just a movie I just think as a whole I genuinely love. And I think the relationship between the rat and I don't know any of these people's names. They're they're all French. Um, who's the lead guy with the that's the trying to be a chef? Linguini. Linguini. Yeah, uh, Remy and Linguini. I think their relationship is really really great. He's teaching him not to steal. He's teaching him to cook. I think it's a really cute relationship that they both need in this moment in each other's lives. I think it's really fun. I like it. I, I like the critic as well. Obviously, the moment where he tastes the ratatouille and his whole world is changed. Iconic. Like That is like the, definitely the best moment of the film, and it is really, really good. And I think that's my feeling of the whole film. It's just really good. I think the film is just beautiful, really enjoyable, and uh, I like it. I like Ratatouille a lot. I think Ratatouille is very well done. I, I, there's just nothing in Ratatouille that gets me excited to watch it again. You know, there's nothing in Ratatouille that grabs me and goes, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I wouldn't mention how there isn't like a single moment or a single moment that blows you out of the water. For me, there's nothing in the movie that really makes me go back to it and watch it. You know, like I've seen, I, don't, I can't think of the last time I watched it. I know everything that happens in the movie. I 100% know the movie. I, I know the movie very well. It's just not a movie I'm excited to go back and rewatch again and again. Nothing in there that grabs me. I, once again, I can only name to you three characters, Gustav, then Luguini and Remy. I can't name any of the actual, you know, the short executive chef or the love interest or... Skinner. Anton, is that the... the uh, what do you call him? The, the food critic? critic. Is it Anton, is that correct? Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. The movie, the movie's good. There's nothing in it that's stoked about this film to watch it again. You know, it 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 gets boring at parts. If I'm being real, and other than that, I think it's a perfectly fine Best Picture winner. I think it's a movie, and I I think it's another one of those classic Pixar films. I know of any probably classic Pixar film that gets overlooked the most is probably Ratatouille. I like it. I just don't love it. Yeah, I, I guess in comparison to you guys, this is my Zootopia, you know? In the sense that I, I freaking love this film. I think it's just... I think it's such just a great film about... I know it's kind of a generic thing for a kid's movie to tackle, but I just think the whole thing of, you know, uh, going for your dreams and all that, despite the obstacles in your way. And that's kind of the thing for the first half, because in the first half, he actually achieves his dream of getting to work at this chef's place but then you have what comes after that which is like the ego that brought the ego that kind of boils between the two of them and how their relationship kind of falls apart and i love how it introduces this aspect of criticism of your work and how criticism plays into all of this like obviously the speech anton ego's speech is just iconic obviously there's the amazing moment where he eats it and he gets taken back to his childhood but there's also that moment or the, that speech he does at the end, talking about the role of criticism, and like, I just love that one part where he's like, any criticism I throw at anything is much more worthless than even the worst food, because like, yeah, the, this artists put their heart and soul into these things that critics just can easily tear down with a snap, and I, I really like how it analyzes all that, and I just think it's, I, I go back to this again, it's one of Pixar's most mature movies, where it's like, 
it feels like the characters deal with more adult situations and they bring up stuff that kids necessarily wouldn't understand. Another aspect I really like is just that the main two characters, the uh, Remy and Linguini, aren't able to talk to each other. They have to find ways to communicate and get along and work together without being able to communicate as easily. And I just think the film's like super fun throughout it all, you know, just all the characters. I love the aesthetics, like the French setting. I, I just really like it. Yeah, and, and this is definitely one of Pixar's most adult films. I guess similar to Soul, which they're kind of the total opposite, right? One is don't follow your dreams. One of them is follow your dreams. I, and I like that. I think Pixar, you know, especially because they made Soul pretty recently, I, I like to think that they might go down this hole again of more adult-themed films that everyone can still enjoy. Because, yeah, Ratatouille is really good at having that fine line of kids can enjoy it, you know, the mice running around and it's very colorful and fun, but it definitely has those themes that really touch home when you're older. Luckily, I think Lightyear is going to be just as mature <laughs> Ratatouille and Solar as far as Pixar finding a more mature audience. That's right, baby. Lightyear. Turning, turning Red kind of touched on that stuff. Like, like, sure, it's mainly a kids movie, but it touched on, like, you know, sure. like growing up in puberty and all that. Yeah, it's supposed to have more of a coming of age movie. Than, you know, probably one of the, the true Pixar coming of age movies. I'd say, like, Ratatouille is my favorite Pixar movie just for that, I think. Well, now I know you don't have a Pixar movie in your number one spot. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what it is. I mean, <laughs> if you've seen the other podcast episode that I've been on, you probably know what it is. I have a real strong feeling. I have. A, I know what it is. Right. I. I just. Um. It just really hit home for me. Uh. And. Uh, yeah. No. I just. I think it's. It. It again. It is more mature and does tackle very different themes from Pixar, but is still so distinctly Pixar. You know. Yeah. So we can move on to number six here, which. Uh, Trix was just hinting at because we have spirited away. Oh no, it's not number one. Oh, come on. Yeah, so we have (laughs) Trix is kicking him while he's down. Uh, wait, it was, yeah, it was tied with Ratatouille and Zootopia. It has Trex at number one here. I'm at nine, and Tristan is at 11. All right, I'm leaving. Goodbye. I'm not too far away from Quentin, actually. We're pretty close. I'm kidding. We're based in the same spot. Yeah, it's almost in your top ten, Tris. Yeah, it pretty much. Yeah, it was until I forgot about. I didn't add Frozen until. <laughs> oh no! Why would you even mention that in front of Trek? Yeah. Uh, so you liked Frozen instead? Of the, I I didn't even mention this, but Frozen won over The Wind Rises, which blew my mind. Honestly, oh, this is kind of crazy. Wind Rises is really good. No, I obviously I know. The movies I love are not going to connect with everybody, and obviously I I just have to accept that and not uh, be mad about that. Uh, no, nah, I'm kidding. I just I think that like it's not going to work for everybody, but obviously it works for a lot of people because it's one of the highest rated films on Letterboxd. Yeah. But I just I it's the, I think I definitely would credit Spirited Away with the film that truly got me into animation and um inspired me to want to tell my own stories and like just watch so many of the movies from the medium you know 
I just think it's it's a beautiful film. I think just like I mean, I feel like I'll just be repeating a lot of what I said in the other podcast, but it's just I just think it's such a well realized, beautiful world. Um, all I love all the characters. How none of them are really villains. Uh, even the ones that act as antagonists, they still have believable motivations behind them. I love the sort of show don't tell kind of thing where we don't really know how the magic works in this world, but we don't really need to because it that would take away from the mysticism of it all. And at the center of it, I just love the main character and her journey about having to. She kind of is forced to grow up fast, but she kind of realizes this is what she has to do, and really like goes to work and is actually able to save so many people because of her courage. And obviously it goes without saying the animation is dropped at gorgeous. I know we were praising Toy Story 4 animation, but nah man, Spirited Away has the best animation, or none, for me at least. Yeah, I've already talked about this with Trax a lot, so we've already, I guess it'd be more interesting to hear Tristan's thoughts, because we've already discussed this on the Studio oh, Ghibli no, no. podcast. But I, I like Spirit Away. Yeah, <laughs> I like Spirit Away a lot. I think it's uh, I think it was the first time I've seen it since, you know, as a whole uh, for for quite a while. I watched. Bits I remember and pieces. when we were kids, we started it, and then when the yes. parents turned into pigs, we got scared. Of it <laughs> and then I never went back to it for well over a decade. Yeah, I told that story to Trex. Yeah, I like uh, me and you still vividly remember that moment. We were terrified because we thought it was Spirit. The the horse movie. We thought it was going to be a horse movie. Yeah, we thought it was going to be. That was also nominated this year. That was also nominated this year, Spirit the Horse movie. Well, if I was an Academy voter, I would have voted for Spirit the Horse movie as a kid because the pigs were scary in Spirit. Absolutely. Yeah. I I literally was like, I vividly remember that scene when I was a kid for years. It was terrifying. Um, the, the parents turning into pigs because we kept waiting for the horses to show up. We did. We we were kind of like, oh well, they'll, they'll. We don't remember this part, but but they'll show up. Yeah. Terrifying. Uh, by the time they turn into pigs, maybe if they turn into horses. Uh, maybe it would have been the same movie, but they turn into pigs, and that's when I realized, oh no, this is this is terrifying. I don't know what's going yeah. on. I was scarred. It was very terrifying. I I also remember like being kind of scared of this movie as a kid. I didn't watch it as a kid. I well, I only watched it when I was in high school, but like. I just saw it in like an Ikea once and I just thought it was like really creepy. And I was like, I just couldn't get why everyone loved it so much until I actually sat down and watched it years later. And well, now we're here. Yeah, I like Spirited Away. I don't love it. I feel like maybe I just don't get it. Like things just kind of kept happening and it was never really explained why shit just kept happening. And I get the, the mysticism of it. And I enjoyed it. I liked the kookiness of it. I didn't care for so much the randomness of it, I feel. When shit just kind of felt like it was just sort of happening without ever really knowing why any of this shit was happening. Just these weird goobly goblin guys started randomly showing up and stuff. I'm like, all right, that's cool. And then it just sort of kept going and then it ended. I'm like, all right, that was fun. It just didn't ever really ground me at any time. Like some other, like most other movies on this list. I think all the side characters. Uh, I agree with just that it, it does seem very random. I kind of yeah. Like no, how, I don't like the side yeah. characters. I thought they were funny and cool. Like I said, I like the kookiness of yeah. And the animation, of course, it looks great. Or it looks very, very good. Um, but a, uh, it was sort of the randomness of felt like a uh, at any point in time they could have just kept adding more random guys and characters coming in, and they could have just kept taking some away. 
And there's really no definitive end to it. They just sort of stopped adding random characters at one point in time. And then it sort of ended. Yeah, I, I kind of enjoy. I know it's not something that works for everybody, which is fine. I yeah. Think like, oh, and I'm not like trying to. I get of... why people like it. I see the appeal. I think it's great. It's just not for me. It doesn't grab me. And other Studio Ghibli films I've connected with 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 more. Not that I've seen a lot of Ghibli stuff. I, I I'm still behind on my my watch list there. Uh, it's just not the one that really grabbed me on on a personal level. And... I think the whole like. Like, for me, I love that sort of mentality of the consistency in its inconsistency, but I can see that, like, not working for many people. And I also, I don't know, I just think, well, I think for one, you guys have way more interesting taste than mine, because, I mean, like, is it really that interesting or unique to put Spirited Away at the top of a list like this? Like, nah. I don't know if any of my opinions are all that more, but I, uh, I am very surprised yeah. it's the only anime and also the only Studio Ghibli film on this list. Yeah, it's really the sole representation of an entire world of animation that's highly underrepresented in this AI in the Oscar. I I was going to bring this up later, like when we got to the year it was nominated, but um, I guess I'll bring it up now. Did you know that there's only been one non-anime or non-Ghibli anime film nominated? It's like in 2018. It was like Mirai, which. Like, isn't even, like, that great. I just think it's, like, kind of sad. Like, obviously, Ghibli deserves the win, but to have no other... Because Japan is just so obsessed with animation, it surprises me that they've only gotten... Whenever they get a nomination, it's almost always just Ghibli, or the one time that they decided to nominate Yeah, it is surprising, like, Your Name, which is a phenomenal movie, didn't even get a nom. Or something like a um, Demon Train, didn't get a nom, even though it was the highest grossing movie of the year. Internet, and it didn't get a nom for 2020 animated. To be I, fair, I, Demon Slayer, Demon Slayer Mugen Train is like, it's basically like you have the TV series, and then that is a continuation of the TV series. Yeah, I knew it was based on a TV show. But I feel like the success of the movie alone should a nom from the Oscars. Yeah, um, mind you, I guess that was a decently stacked year that year, looking at. Like, it's a good movie. I just think that, like, it's not fair for the Academy to have to know the context of the entire show. Because the show, the movie will not make sense unless you've seen the show. So I don't think having That's movies fair. like that nominated. Like, I think Phineas and Ferb Across the Second Dimension should have won Best Picture that year. But I doubt Phineas the Academy. That's interesting pick. I like it. Exactly. But, I mean, it, it would have been cool for it to at least get a nom. I agree with you. Yeah, I do think we should get more international representation, particularly from Japan for for these animated picks. And we, ju- we just don't. And that's real disappointing. But I like to think that... I think just Spirited Away, in my opinion, is just such a good film that not even the Academy could ignore how great it is. It's true. And yeah, I do think that is a testament to the movie, how it's the only one that does get a win, and it just shows that's just how good it is. I do like how it does have that title to it. Uh, Tristan and I dragged it down, but that's just because we were big yeah. babies as kids, and we were scared of the pigs. That's you know? largely do. And it's <laughs> but, like, I, I don't dislike it by any means. Yeah. I have it above other things that I absolutely love. Um, I really love it. Yeah. I've, I love so many of the movies on this list. It's really tough to put it, to, to have it crack that top 10 there. It cracks my top ten. Yeah, I really like it. 
and maybe it's just because I didn't grow up with it, except for the fear of the pigs. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't either, but whatever. <laughs> That's fair. I, we all we all got different opinions, and some are more right than others. So uh, let's just uh, move on. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I'm never yeah. right. So I'm used to it. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> all right, top we five can now. Put eh? it into the top five. Uh, four Pixar movies are still are still here in play. Uh, and to kick off some of these Pixar films, at number five, uh, we, we do have a tie with this and number four, but we have Wally, which uh, Tristan has at eight, Trex has at six, and I have at three. You have at three? Wow. The, I think every year I like Wally more and more. I think Wally, uh, we quickly touched on when we were talking about Toy Story 4 way back at the beginning of this podcast about, uh, I mentioned that there's one film that I like the animation even more, and that's this one. I think Wally is the best animation for maybe any animated film. I, I just think the look of the movie with uh, the brown and gray aesthetic at the beginning and then the bright futuristic vibe of the film later in the movie. I think the contrast is beautiful. Him in space is gorgeous. The whole movie looks great, but it also has a great message, similar to Zootopia this time, being about the environment, not like anybody really listened to it since it's been over a decade <laughs> and nothing's really changed. It, it did not change anybody's thoughts on it, but it's fun to go, oh yeah, we like the environment when we watch this movie. I, I just like it. I like it so much. I love the silent era type of the first 20 minutes. The first 20 minutes is some of the best filmmaking I've seen in any animated movie, especially that a big studio like Pixar slash Disney is able to do a silent type movie in a widespread, huge blockbuster. You don't see that with movies anymore. Like they don't take risks like this. Like there's literally no speaking. It's just all silent dialogue. It's all sound effects and it's emotional is really, really great having Eve and Wally have this relationship that's so beautiful and genuine. Like, I kind of choke up when I'm seeing him doing everything he can to bring Eve back to life. Like, he really is scared that Eve is gone when she shuts down, when she finds the plants. Like, that's beautiful. I really, really love Wally. Every, I think every single year, I bump it up higher. Like, we did the Pixar ranking in 2019 and I had it at number five for Pixar, it would now be number two for Pixar for me. Like it has increased, my, my love for it has only grown like that one plant in the show. I love it. Uh, it's, it's really, really beautiful. Wow. Yeah. So you like it more than Monsters, Inc., eh? Uh, oh, actually, sorry. No, sorry. It's number three. Just kidding. I forgot. Monsters okay. Inc. Oh, snap. Yeah, sorry. I was only looking at the Pixar films on this list. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Is- Monsters Inc. <laughs> is not on this list, and I know you yeah, love that. Sorry. I take it back. This is number three. You got me there, Tristan. Yeah, uh, Monsters, Inc. Is, is still better, but more so nostalgic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Wally is a, yeah, I really love Wally. You've already mentioned how the, like, basically the whole first third act, first act is all silence, and I love that. I love it when films use silence in such a clever way like this, and particularly because it's all robots. Of course it's going to be silent. And they managed to create an entire love story between two robots, all through silence, and made the entire audience feel for that relationship between these two robots that don't even talk, right? They're not human. They have no human-like people. The audience still connects with them immediately and feels for them and roots for Wally, probably because he's so alone and so isolated and he's so, you know, such a big underdog in this great big, you know, world that he, he, he's the only guy there still trying to help out to save the Earth. Just one robot still plugging away all these years later. 
it's a uh, it's it's sad, it's funny, it's cute, all at the same time, and I absolutely love it. It's a very very good movie. You mentioned the animation. If there's an animated movie, I would love to see in theaters if given the chance. It's probably Wall-E. I never saw this one in theaters, and I feel that that was a mistake just for how great the animation in this would be on a big screen. I do like this one a lot. Um, I have it at eight, which which is only a couple higher than Spirited Away. A little better, but not too too much better. Largely here, I, I think like with Inside Out, I think the third act is just the weakest by far. I think the first two thirds of this movie are phenomenal, and then the ending is sort of like, yeah, okay, whatever. But the first, the first two thirds are are, are phenomenal, and oh, I like yeah. the ending a lot more than like the end of Inside. Out. I feel like it doesn't go off the road too much. I just find the whole steering wheel steering wheel as the bad guys a little. Yeah. I think, to both of your points, I think it's just, yeah, it's amazing that this film even got made. It just feels so not Disney. It's like, there's no marketable, like, celebrity voicing the main character. No, the, vo- the main character and the main girl just don't talk. And the movie is set in an, a post-apocalyptic wasteland. And I just think that's so different from just so it, nearly any kid's film I've ever seen where... The earth is ruined and just humans are in such a bad spot right now. And it just so blatantly points the finger at humanity, but more like big corporations, but also humanity's negligence, which like, yeah, big corporation uh, is a bit ironic coming from a Disney film. But, uh, you know, I still respect the filmmakers who went that direction. And just, I think the world building is great. But again, just the, it's the, it's the strangely human emotions that come from these robots that really carries the film for me. I agree with what Treksha said, and it was a point that I've already made. It's, it's the most surprising Pixar Pixar movie. Like This feels like an indie movie. This feels like it's a story that you would never see Pixar ever do right now. Like It's just so... A silent movie with like no comedy relief character. Like even Soul has a comedy relief character. Even Ratatouille has this comedy relief character. Like, like what's the funniest part of this movie? What the the captain didn't know what a plant was? Is that the comedy relief we got here? Like there's nothing funny about this movie. It's just a love story. No, it's, when, it's when the tip ships and all the fat people start rolling <laughs> down down whichever side the, the ship is tipping. That's easily the funniest part. <laughs> I think that is true. Funny that's bits, true. Like, just Wally is such a goofy, likable doofus, you know? I, li- yeah. I really like that. Yeah, yeah, and I guess the comedy is just how innocent Wally is and how optimistic he is, right? Like, he's just so hopeful about everything. And it is yeah. kind of funny in contrast to the dark world that he is living in. So I guess that in itself is, com- is comical, but it's just because Wally's such a great character. Like, I actually, like, gasp and almost tear up when he's on that uh, when he's in the spaceship and the the contraption's crushing him as they're trying to save the plant and like he breaks one of his like well like, I was going to say legs but like you know he breaks the wheels and the t- and the track off of it. like he's actually breaking apart as he's trying to stop it like that I know the third act obviously the the best part of the movie is the first 45 minutes um and really I would say the first two thirds are really strong it loses itself a little bit but it's nothing on the level of Inside Out where... No, that's why Inside yeah. Out's at 17, and this is at right. 8. Right, no, for sure. Because I acknowledge yeah. that it gets a little sidetracked at the end, but it's not like it changes the, the how great the movie is as a right. whole. Yeah, and I'm still like, like... I'm tearing up when he's getting crushed there. Like, he's screaming out Eve's name. It, it's really intense. I love the movie. I, the more I see it, the more I enjoy it. Uh, a beautiful movie. 
Are we ready for number four? Wait, 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 yeah. wait. I, I'm sorry. I have to interject. Should not have won. Absolutely oh. should not have won. <laughs> Quinn goes off about how much he loves this. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I, it did not I, deserve to win. <laughs> I love this movie, too. I absolutely love yeah. this movie. Not the best animated film of the year. You don't know why? Because Kung Fu Panda came out this year. Oh, you go with okay. Kung Fu Panda, eh? Oh, Kung Fu Panda. I'm sorry, but that's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's, really? I mean, I can talk about for like, it's just one of those movies that I can just like talk about it for ages and just point out new stuff I love about it. Like, I'm being serious here. I'm sorry, well, I just had to say that. I think Kung Fu Panda is, is, I think it's fantastic. I think it's very good. I think Wally probably deserved the win for the Oscar, though, over Kung Fu Panda. But, uh, sorry, but no. That's fair. And hey, you I, know what? I get I why it won. would make the argument that Bolt deserved to win the Oscar. So it, it could really go to any of the three nominated, Wally, Bolt, or Kung and uh, arguments to be made for Wait, sorry, sorry, hold on. Are you, are you saying Bolt? No, no, I'm saying our sister would argue to the death. That oh. You, you have Jay two... I missed that part. Two... I think you were, like, really making a case that Bolt no, is no, on No, I'm not on Team Bolt. I'm okay. just other people, like our sister, <laughs> are on Team Bolt. I'm not. I'm probably, honestly, I'll... Personal favorite, I think I like Kung Fu Panda more than Wally. But if I were voting for the Oscar, I would probably give it to Wally. That's fair. I mean, I think that Wally, it's kind of like another Zootopia situation where it's like, yeah, I like Moana more. I like Kung Fu Panda more. Oh, with Zootopia, Zootopia is a better movie than Moana, and it is. I didn't say that, but I think it has much, it has a lot more to say than that movie. And even though I definitely like Wally, like, I just love Wally. So obviously, I think it's, I prefer it. I also just think it's such an achievement in film. Like the, the use of silence and the use of animation is so good in this movie that even though I absolutely love Kung Fu Panda, and if it was on this list uh, any other year, I probably would have voted for it. But, you know, cool. Wally is just one of those special films that I, I think I will always love that film. So, you know, I, I agree though. Kung Fu Panda is really good. Wait, but Tricks, what do you like more? Kung Fu Panda or Ratatouille? Uh, that's a tough one. Um, maybe Ratatouille just a tad more. I just thing is, I connect with Kung. It's kind of one of those movies where I think it's really good, but I also just sort of connect with it more, and that's why it kind of gets the edge when it comes to a lot of this stuff. Fair. That's fair. Um, but I agree that like Wally is more of an achievement, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And probably yeah. did deserve the nom, even if I like Kung Fu Panda more, you know. Yeah, Kung Fu Panda is awesome. I no shade on Kung Fu Panda. A great trilogy. Sorry, I, I just had to bring that up because, like, it I rant about it a lot with friends. No, no, that's good. It, it's I like the, Kung Fu Panda, yeah. Is the first Kung Fu Panda your favorite of the three tracks? I absolutely like okay. two I sucks. I'm not kidding. I feel the second Kung Fu Panda gets slept on, though. Well, because my fear is the second one. I, I like the second one more. Yeah, I think the second one gets slept on. I think the third one's easily. Yeah, yeah, third's the weakest, yeah. I think they're all great, honestly. I just think yeah, good trilogy. The first one is what worked for me the most. Is Kung Fu Panda the second best animated trilogy? Oh, well, maybe Trek says it's the first. I think it's Toy Story, then Kung Fu Panda. I think that's the golden two. Over How to Train Your Dragon. But Toy Story is no longer a trilogy. <laughs> that's true. Trek got me. Also, I think I go How to Train Your Dragon over either trilogy. I think I go to How. To... I actually I... rewatched the first How to Train Your Dragon last night, and. Um... It's great. I love it, but nah, man. I mean, the first Kung Fu Panda I like more than the first How to Train. 
I think as a That's trilogy true. overall, though, I think how to train dragon strong on them. Yeah, I like the themes of the overall. Particularly the third one, because I don't think I don't think how to train dragon gets weaker at all. I think I think they they stay very consistent, very good. I think comes with Panda three really does drop. I haven't seen the third one. I need to see that one. Yeah, the third's my favorite of the trilogy, and I think that's why I like it as a whole, uh, because the third one really connects all the themes of the overall trilogy yeah. for How to Train Your Dragon. I think I prefer Kung Fu Panda as a trilogy, because uh, I think the How to Train Your Dragon, I think the second movie uh, is, is a bit, it would be the weakest of the six movies for the two trilogies, but I, I, I still think it's a good trilogy. I also think the Shrek trilogy is still fantastic, only because of how good the first two are. <laughs> There's four. Uh, what about yeah, the same third? With, yeah, but same with Toy Story. Yeah. I thought we were just taking in the first three as the trilogy. Wait, what about the third Shrek movie? You know what? The first two are so good, we can overlook them. <laughs> They're all good, but hear me out, guys. The Cars trilogy is the best. I think oh, we can all I, I'm all ears. Uh, undeni- undeniably so. Yeah. But, I mean, can I really give the best trilogy... To a f- to a film franchise that peaked at the second one, <laughs> yeah. I think that's why we gotta give it to Despicable Me trilogy as the best animated trilogy here. But do you count Minions? The way that they suck straight from the beginning and never really got any is what really makes it's a consistency with the Despicable Me movie. I really appreciate. Really, this is all a moot point because by the time Secret Life of Pets three comes out, we'll have the new definitive trilogy. Yeah, that's true. Or sing three. Or sing three. Or sing three. Hey, remember when we were talking about Wally? Yeah. <laughs> talking about Wally. What a time to Wally's be. Wally's part of a trilogy. How did we get here? Um, actually, that's a good question. Oh no, Kung Fu Panda was nominated. That was it. <laughs> All right. What, yeah. what What's tied with Wally for number four here? Tied with Wally at number four, we have Up. Yeah, I, I'm surprised it made it this far. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Trex has it at seven. I have it at six. Tristan has it at four. We all seem to really like it. That's, I, I was love a little this surprised movie. too, though, because once again, going back to the Pixar ranking we did in 2019, Tristan, you had up at number one as your favorite Pixar movie. What happened? I did. I did. Yeah. Look, I absolutely love up. Most definitely, just on a personal level, and with this list here. So that's why I have up at four. Up is I absolutely love up so much. However, when I made this list, I got to be objective here. And in my mind, the top three I have, uh, the top three, we haven't gone over two of them. One of them was Zootopia. I think are basically just perfect animated movies. Movies that I really think you couldn't make any better if you tried. I think Up does have its flaws, particularly with the villain, particularly the third act. Uh, although on a personal level, I absolutely love it. I, Up is one of my favorite movies. I think it's phenomenal. I try to be a little more objective here. And I do really, really love the three I put above it, and I did it this way. But up, particularly those first, you know, the the greatest opening scene in any movie ever. I think and the opening act to Up is is perfect. I love Russell. I love Mr. Frederick. Once again, as Tricks was saying with Kung Fu Panda, this one is what's definitely more of a personal pick for me than anything else. Yeah, no, it's. I think. It's a fantastic movie. It's not as much with Wall, not as much as it is with Wally, but it is also kind of a shock that it got made. I think just like how many ki- animated kids movies can you point to and say, "Oh yeah, the protagonist is just some cranky old man." I don't even think like the beginning is the most emotional part for me. I think the most emotional part for me is near the ending where he opens his his wife's. He's opening his wife's um 
photo album and he expects it to be empty because they never got to go on a big adventure uh in South America but no he finds that her his wife filled it with all the pictures of them just living their happy life as a marriage and i just i love that you know it's it almost kind of goes with the themes of soul where it's just like just because you maybe didn't chase after your dream or you didn't go on a big adventure that doesn't mean that your life didn't have purpose and it couldn't it wasn't happy and i just love how he comes to that realization yeah it's a super happy ending there i love that i also when it shows a Russell who doesn't have a father, as we know, at the Wilderness Explorer meeting. And then out of nowhere, we see Mr. Fredericton come in and put the last, the last button that he needs on his sash. And it's the bottle cap that Ellie gave him when he was a kid. And the whole oh, movie yeah. comes full circle with this, a, uh, you know, adventure is out there. Even if it doesn't feel like this is an adventure, it feels like it's been, you know, a slog of tying your bow tie every day before you go to work. It's all balloons at a zoo, right? That's not adventurous. But to them, that was their adventure. And it was the adventure of a lifetime. And it was adorable. And I love it. Yeah, exactly. I just, I think that's so great. The only reason I I don't have it as high as you all, I think it's just, I feel like the stuff that happens, at, like with the whole re- reminiscing on his life and all like the beginning stuff and the end stuff, doesn't connect seamlessly with like the adventure he actually goes on. Yeah, or... with like Charles Muntz and the talking dogs. And it does particularly, you know, in the bird, it, like the yeah, the balloon, the big battle, and the yeah, the Hindenburg. That all those sort of parts of the movie are the parts that I don't love as much as I love the rest of it. The relationship between Carl and Russell, the relationship between Carl and his wife, and stuff. I think the whole Charles Munt side story villain angle is what's definitely the, the the least interesting part of the film for me. That's why I have it at four here, not not number one, even though it's. On a personal level, maybe my favorite movie on the list here. I get that it, it, it's not the best movie on the list here, and it's because of those sort of less entertaining segments with Charles Munts and the Hindenburg off and off. Yeah, I think that, like, um, but here's the thing like, a lot of people might say, like, oh, I wish it was just the, um, the stuff with him and his wife, and I just wish it was just a movie about that, but I couldn't disagree more. I think you kind of need that fun. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you. Yeah, for sure. The The adventure is necessary um, to, get, to get to those emotional parts, those emotional segments. Also, I like the, the talking dog character. Like, yeah, he starts to verge on annoying, but I don't think he ever quite gets there. And I just, I entered, I like his character for most of it. And Oh, I like the Doug villain. himself, the, the, the main talking dog. He's hilarious. I think he's a great comedic character yeah. and pretty adorable throughout the film. Yeah. And the villain, the villain is like, he's fine. It, I always found it kind of weird how the idea is that the, the main uh, Mr. Fredrickson as a kid watched him as an adult, but Mr. Fredrickson easily looks older than months. Yeah, I think that's also just showing how well months age compared to Mr. Fredrickson. Yeah, he aged pretty dang gracefully. I think if I were to make a change, I probably would make it like a childhood friend of his that would actually be around his age. Oh yeah, that could make that sense. was also more adventurous. I think that might have worked better, but. That's obviously a nitpick. Yeah, I actually was listening to you guys. I really like the villain. Uh, I think uh, the fact that it's like his childhood hero uh, who is then so consumed by uh, his desire. It's similar to how he was so consumed with living his dream 
obviously the villain, this obsession overcame him and he is now a completely different human being while Fredrickson obviously is learning about uh, needing a new adventure and maybe letting go of the past and moving on forward with, you know, uh, living his life while, you know, the bad guy cannot move forward. He cannot return until he catches his bird. He is so consumed by his desire that it's obviously leads to his death. So I, I, I like the villain a lot as a contrast to the, to the hero because he lets go of all the furniture to actually confront him near the end of the movie. And I liked the two old guys fighting. I liked how their backs kept breaking and they're hitting them with canes. Like, I think that is a comically intense fight at the end. So everything about the villain works for me, actually. I think it's one of the strongest parts of the movie. Uh, it's just the dogs. It, all the talking dogs, it, it, it takes, a, like, it, it becomes too goofy that it kind of takes away from, like, the magical element of the bird and the land and, like, the intensity and, and you know, the themes of desire and stuff from the, the lead and the villain. So I think the dogs are probably my least favorite part. Doug is pretty good at the beginning, but it, he does start to get a, a little annoying. I like the, the squirrel and, you know, at the beginning, he's like calling him his master because he just met him for like five seconds. Like the, he's very fun. I think he could have been a lot more fun if he was in like, you know, if he like popped in every now and then, but he became pretty much a crucial character and he kind of started getting a little annoying for me. But, you know, as a whole, I, I love the film. I think the movie's amazing. It's also movies. hilarious. I don't know if you're talking about how funny this movie is. This movie is very, very funny. Russell's I, very I funny. Die yeah. laughing from start to finish watching it. Russell is naturally Russell. Russell yeah. is just hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> He's really good. He's like looking for the bird under the porch. He throws the GPS out. He like is pronouncing things wrong. Like he's so funny. I really like him. And even though he's hilarious, he still has a beautiful arc about like just wanting to like he's he's hoping his father will be there when he gets his last badge, but then he finds his own father figure in Carl. Like that is what makes a side character so good. And even though yeah, Olaf, he's not a comedic relief. Yeah. He's a very important character. Yeah. He just happens to be fun. You know, he yeah. he's a very crucial character with a great story arc, very important, who just also is hilarious. Yeah. No, I love yeah. him. I, that's what you should do with comedic relief characters is still have them like have these great human moments near the end. Like it, you don't realize you care about this little brat as much as you do until you're like almost tearing up at like him waiting for his dad to get the badge. Like like that's amazing. I love it. Yeah. Uh what uh do you I know I I want to hear Quentin's take on this. This compared to uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, what do you think? Oh, but see, this this is tough. They're both a 4.5 out of 5 for me. They're both probably in my top 10 animated films of all time. That's tough. I love them both. If I were to be an Academy voter, I would vote for Fantastic Mr. Fox because I think it's a bigger achievement in film. I, I think up, up, you know, like what Tristan said, personally, I absolutely love it. But I do think it might not be like, you know, the crowning achievement of Pixar for like actual filmmaking. So I would vote for Fantastic Mr. Fox. Which do I prefer? I actually don't know. Maybe I'll give the edge to Up because as Mr. Fox is very much a feel-good film. I absolutely love it. Uh, but, but I cry two times. Every, every time I watch Up, I cry at the first 10 minutes. And I oh, lately, it, it's been a more recent thing, but the last two times I've rewatched Up, I cry when he opens up that book and he's just about to close it and he notices the page. Like, it's just so beautiful how he notices it. And she says she's had her own adventure. It's time for him to live his. Like, that's beautiful. 
I cry every time. I, the last two times I bawled at that moment. So I emotionally connect with Up more. But Fantastic Mr. Fox might be the better made movie. I love them both. I haven't seen Fantastic Mr. Fox. It's definitely one of the ones really good. Really good. I I I own it on Blu-ray. I've seen it. I've seen it the most the last two. I've seen Mr. Fox three times the last two years, and I've seen Up twice the last two years. I, I watch them both a lot. I'm I'm kind of in the same boat with you. I just think that Mr. Fantastic, Fantastic Mr. Fox is just so much more unique and so much more of an achievement. But that shouldn't take away from how great Up is, you know? Right. You know, I agree. Um, I have no issue with up winning because up's an amazing movie uh but i would have been just as stoked if it was mr fox because i think they're both really good uh, i think you would like fantastic mr fox dresses it's got like this beautiful family story uh, i'm expecting i think i'm gonna like it a lot yeah yeah looking forward to it all right so we can move on to number three here and we have another time we literally have from 10 all the way to two we've had some tiebreakers but we have Number two and three tied here, but coming in is The Incredibles. So uh, Tristan has it at six, Trex has it at three, and I have it at two. So I have it the lowest here, but we're all pretty close here. Right. Six, two, and three for The Incredibles. Yeah. I mean, I think we all agree. It's a pretty great Pixar movie. It's tough to get better than The Incredibles. Yeah, The Incredibles is amazing. I love this movie. I have it at two. And it's similar to Wally, where I think every time I watch it, I just like it more and more. I think the, the family aspect of it being front and center is so great. Like, you know, we, we got questions about their cheating. We got like relationship issues. We got like the, the kids having to come out of their shell and really face their own personal issues. Um, we got, you know, Bob wanting to relive the glory days, you know, before he was a father. Like, we got all these little things that like individually they would be like a fun spin on like a superhero that you would find in nowadays films but each one of these little themes there's like 10 of them and all integrated all like blended together just creates a family drama with superhero powers as like the background and i think that's what makes this film so great i i love the incredibles i think Syndrome is an incredible villain. This is what I'm talking about when I talk about 1990s villains being so over-the-top villainous. Like, Syndrome is just over-the-top douchey. It's so great. He's one of the best. Can we call it modern day? I guess it's, like, mid-2000s. He's one of the best 2000s villains, I think, ever. Like, I love him. Yeah, everything about this movie, I just genuinely love. This is a 5 out of 5 for me. Uh, it's one of my favorite animated films of all time, obviously, because I have it at number two. Uh, it's just an all-around good movie. Yeah, it's phenomenal. The Incredibles is as good as as good as you can ask for. It's kind of like the a perfect superhero story, really. You couldn't get much better for a superhero movie than this. And uh, we have had about five tries every year to beat it, and they they very rarely do. But the, the Incredibles being absolutely phenomenal. I think as Quentin mentioned, it being a family drama first and foremost, and a superhero movie second, I think it's part of the part of its strength. It focuses on the, these are people first and superheroes second. I think that's the big thing, you know, like a uh, Bob Parr and Helen Parr, just as as Mr. Incredible and the last girl are in this film, and that's huge. And in fact, Dash and Violet don't even have superhero names; they're just who they are, and, and I think that's that's very important. It's, it's a uh, it's a great family drama. 
that takes place in a superhero movie. I love it. I mean, you bring up that no super movie hero movie has beaten it before. I wonder if there's one on this list that might be. Oh, it. no, no. There's for sure one on this list that's still coming up. I just thought it was funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought that too, Trix. <laughs> I thought that. Yeah. Um, but I just think, like, this actually used to be ahead of Ratatouille for me as my favorite. I just think that I connect with Ratatouille a bit more and what it analyzes, but I still think Incredibles is just as good, if not maybe even better. I, I don't know. I just think it's... I think, yeah, you nailed it. It's like, it's a family film first and then a superhero thing where it's like, it feels very realistic despite it being about superheroes because, like, I just love how their de- the decay of their relationship is just portrayed, like, uncomfortably realistic where... Uh, they argue about like stuff real couples would argue about just in the superhero context. And when they finally come together in the end, it does feel more triumphant than your average superhero movie because it's not just them coming together to fight the bad guy. It's them coming to understand each other as a family. Like I think my favorite moment from this movie is definitely like when he's trying to sideline them just because he's like, I can't lose you guys again because he thought they died earlier. Yeah. And I just think it's such a great movie. I still think when he thinks his family dies uh, in that plane crash, um, like his, even though the animation might not age the best, the animation on his face and just his reaction is really pained. And then Syndrome instantly goes, whatever, I thought you worked alone. Like instantly just shits on him when he thought his family died. Like, it's so fucking good. It's I, I love it. I love Syndrome. I love the family. I don't think there's a single character I don't like. And even the comedy, the comedy is just families bickering. Even like the iconic Frozone moment. Like that's just families bickering. I think that's great how the comedy isn't just like one-liner zingers that you would see in most films, which is really not that big of a deal because you see it in every movie. So like it's normal. Like it's, it's super fun. But the fact that this feels like real jokes, like this is just, people arguing it's not even really that funny but it's just funny in the context of how real it is because you can see yourself saying this to your family like that that's fun like that's really good i like it it's funny that uh, a movie about superheroes is one of the most realistic animated films ever i think that's hilarious can we just agree that the cape bit is the best use of reincorporation ever so good it's so good i love it it's really good the, the cape the running cape quite fantastic. Because you don't even think of it, right? Like the, when she does that whole cape bit, you just think it's a really funny bit. You don't, think, yeah. you don't connect the dots with syndrome. But when it happens, not only is it satisfying that syndrome dies, but you get this chill in your spine, like holy fuck, that was like foreshadowed. Like you, you know, it doesn't click in until it happens. That's good filmmaking. I wouldn't even call this as much of a problem. I think for a movie called The Incredibles, it's a bit too focused on. The dad. I think it works to the movie's benefit because his arc is the most compelling. But I think, like, honestly, I think the second, that's the one thing the second movie did better is it had a better balance of the family having their own separate arcs. But I think it works well for this movie. Yeah, this movie most definitely has a main character, which is Mr. Incredible. And then the rest of the family is more of a secondary character rather than an ensemble film. It still is far better than. And the second Incredibles, that's for sure. But I agree, the second Incredibles does give more camera time, particularly to a uh, classic. 
I still think it's like an ensemble film. Of course, it's mostly focused on him, but it's kind of like Toy Story 3, where it's focused on Woody, but every other character still has these great moments, uh, even more so in this movie. Like, every every member of the family gets this iconic superhero moment where they face off against some bad guys. Like, everyone has their moment, and they still have their own personal conflicts. Like, I think I know quite a bit about every member of this family except for maybe the baby but i don't really need to know much about a toddler uh you know as of yet so i've never really had an issue with it of course it's focused on the father but i think we get enough of all the characters to really feel like we we know the family pretty well yeah it's not a big deal for right. me yeah, um yeah. so point, the competition shark tail and shark two what do you think <laughs> I think it's a hell of a year for animationists. I think that's that you know, Incredibles is the obvious winner, but Shrek 2 is fantastic, and even Shark Tale, I think, doesn't get talked about. Oh, I thought Tristan said that ironically. <laughs> yeah, Shrek yeah, is. like Shrek like, 2 is phenomenal. What are you talking about? No, 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 so no, 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 the other tale, one, yeah. the Shark Tale. You guys no. don't like Shark Tale? I didn't say I don't like it. I, I, I would use that as an example of how that year is amazing in animation. You, you guys suck. Shark Tale's fantastic. <laughs> it's kind of not good at all. It's, they have a car wash for whales. What more do you want? A yeah, good you know, main character and plot? Yeah. Yeah. God, you can't, can't please everybody, Aquin. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah, I guess. I, you you're right. right. To be fair, I haven't seen the movie in a while, but interesting. I think like I also incredible... played the Shark Tale video game. Oh my yeah, god, better than that video game. I'll tell you that much. Where's Flushed Away? That video game was the shit. Flushed Away video literally. Game that came out the same year as Happy People, but nominated. Unbelievable. They, they clearly never played the video game. Yeah, clearly, clearly. Well, well to be know, fair, I, I can see why the Academy didn't nominate a film called Flushed Away. It's still a good movie, I yeah. just think. I gotta know. What's better? Shark Tale or uh, Spirited Away? Oh, wait. Video game or movie? <laughs> I don't think Spirited Away is video game. Uh, no, Spirited Away is better than Shark Tale. I know, I'm, I'm, just me- I'm just messing with okay. you. Okay. Good. Uh, yeah. I, it's not like Spirited Away that low on the list. I know, I know. I'm just messing with you. Yeah. It's right dab in the middle on my list. Yeah. No, there's, yeah, there's no way you're going to put Shark Tale in your top 11 of the... Of the God, no, no, no. Shark Tale. Shark Tale is good and fun and all. Yeah. All right, so we can move on to number two here, which is going to be Toy Story 3. So I have it at five, Trex has it at four, and Tristan has it at two. This movie is basically perfect. I absolutely love Shrek. I mean, Toy Story 3. <laughs> Imagine if it was Shrek. Why? Because the video game was so good? Toy Story 3 video game was. I will give it that. It Uh, is, though. It is so good. Yeah, great video game. But the movie was also fantastic. This is how you do a Toy Story. Sure, Woody's still the main character. It follows his story above anyone else's. But it's about the entire group. And they all have their moments of shine. They all have their their parts that they do. it's fantastic. It goes from your normal standard Toy Story movie to like this big old heist film where they're trying to break out of this massive prison cell that is Sunnyside Daycare. You know, where the evil warden of a, a talking teddy bear is trying to keep them in these jail cells. And it's, it's funny, it's hilarious, it's epic, 
It takes the Toy Story franchise in a crazy direction, but still roots it in the Toy Story universe. Um, still, still keeps the core values of the Toy Story. You know what we've learned from these characters from the previous movies are are, are still there, and it, it, it ends in such a beautiful way to end the Toy Story. Movie. And it came out right in a time when most people, like I'm sure all three of us who grew up with the Toy Story films, came out right in a time when they were finishing up elementary school or high school or those type of things, and they were moving on, much like Andy was. And it really did feel like a, a great movie for the t- that point in time for the kids who grew up with the Toy Story franchise. And I, I absolutely love Toy Story. Way That's better it. than that disaster, Toy Story 4. It's funny you mentioned that. Um, I remember I watched it in theaters in, I think it was like first grade, kindergarten. Um, oh, wow. You're quite a I'm, I'm not that old. Oh, neither are we. I'll point and roll the dirt, but you know. <laughs> right, but I actually promised myself, I was like, okay, what if I watch this the night I go to college? The night before I go to college, and I did, and that was like about half a year ago at this point, and it's like, that hit hard. I was, yeah. like, I was like crying the whole time. So I was in grade <laughs> six when this one came out, but I watched this one for my 12th birthday party a week before I moved halfway across the country. So it very much did feel sort of like a, a goodbye and moving on from my life to the next, even though I wasn't moving from college, from high school to college, Andy was. Um, but then, of course, I did go back and rewatch this around the time I was college. And it, it does hit hard. It absolutely. It's, it's, you know, there are a lot of movies that really focus on that time and people's lives are for you. And this is one of the, the real hard hitting ones. I think a lot of people experience a point in time like this in their lives and they're moving on, moving away from. From what they've known for so long, what they grew up with, from what they've their whole life has been prior to them growing up into an adult, and having to say goodbye to that, and how to have, having to be at peace with saying goodbye, and hoping that even though you're leaving them, hopefully they'll still be in a without you. And it's a uh, it hits hard. Yeah, no, you nailed it. I mean, it's just the perfect. I think it's definitely Pixar's best film about growing up. You know, just. Um, the, the toys are kind of just thrown from their comfy situation with Andy and they have to they just have to move on from him but I just love how they get that like one final playtime with them where they get to relive the old memories but they have to acknowledge that they're just that, they're memories, they have to move on from that uh, and I just love the final, I don't know I don't think this is the final line of the film but I think it's just the so long partner and before I that I think Andy that's the final like, line in the film before the music plays yeah, and a, then the long partner. And then I remember, like, even Andy goes, like, "Thanks, guys," because it's just like all the good memories he gave them. And uh, I just, it's too. I would also like to touch on, besides the emotional stuff, is that I just love Lotso and the Sunnyside daycare stuff because it's like, I love how they have this like two sides to them. Like, both of them are very like welcoming and fun looking at first but then like like both Lotso and Sunnyside just become so dark and scary later in the film I just love that contrast and how you know what made him evil was when his his owner gave up on him but they did it in two very different ways and he still loves his first toys when he was forgotten at a park by, by a four-year-old right and was was left left to be forgotten and he grew old and resentful because of that. Where where Andy Woody grew up being loved by 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 Andy, and Woody Woody knew that Andy loved him even when Andy had to leave him and all that kind of stuff. 
And so it was sort of how two similar paths, but taken taken in two different ways, would leave Lawson to be cold and resentful towards humans, and Woody willing to risk his life to save them, and all that kind of stuff. And it's very interesting between the two of them. And I love this movie. What are your thoughts on on the old Toy Story three here? Yeah, I think Toy Story three might be the best sequel to ever be made. I think uh, it touches on all the themes of the first two films. It adds stuff onto it. And it ends with the greatest ending you can get to a trilogy. And if we were to say, you know, I like to pretend Toy Story 4 doesn't exist. Um, If we were to just look at these three movies, I would probably argue this is the greatest trilogy to any franchise ever. I think this is just the best trilogy. And it all rests on the third film. I have it at five, which might seem kind of low compared to you two. But I still love this movie. I think this film is amazing, especially when you're starting college. It really hits home. And even nowadays like man i haven't been to college in what like well i've started college in about six years but even like seven or eight at this point but you still it still works for you right like you still reflect on your past and your childhood and it's it's a beautiful moment i think what makes toy story 3 work so well is like tristan said the the drast comparison between lotso and then our heroes where you know uh, it's a theme that we get for a lot of these movies, especially the second one as well, about being abandoned and being forgotten, where, like, Wheezy's up in the shelf, no one remembers him, and then Jesse was thrown away, or, you know, replaced. And Lonzo really has that backstory, where he was replaced, and he has resented his life. He has lived in anger, and that's why he's such a terrifying villain. One of the best Pixar villains, and it's just a teddy bear. That's what's so cool about Toy Stories, how it could be someone so silly, like a teddy bear, being so villainous. and then. We get the ending where it's a theme we get throughout the whole time about being forgotten and people growing up because unlike toys, humans will grow out of their toys and kind of throw them away in the trash. And you kind of get this theme of what's Andy going to do with these toys? He's going to throw them up in an attic. They're just going to be forgotten about like Wheezy. But we get this beautiful moment where he gives it to another kid. And so they get to relive, you know, theoretically, if Toy Story 4 didn't exist, the ending is so beautiful. The cycle continues. It is, we restart with Toy Story 1. They now have a new kid. They get to relive an entire new life with someone else and become their plaything. It's a beautiful, it's like the circle of life, really, for toys. It resets the, the chapter. Theoretically, Toy Story 1, 2, and 3 are going to reset, where they, they, they get to now grow old with another kid again. And it's beautiful. And uh, one of the saddest moments uh, for any Pixar film, and it's just playing with toys, is that final play time that Trek said, where he finally he plays with Woody one last time. Doesn't want to get rid of him at first. When he first pulls it out of the box, he didn't realize it was there because Woody snuck in. And it wasn't until Bonnie said the line, which, you know, you thought Bonnie would care about Woody because she loves him so much, but she treats him like shit in the fourth movie because that movie sucks. But I, clearly she likes Woody. She just enamored with him as much as Andy was when he was a kid. And that's why Andy gives up, and, uh, gives up Woody. It's a beautiful moment. One final playtime. And like Trek said, the last line where he says, so long, partner. It's so perfect. It's that moment in a movie you didn't think of yourself, but that, that's what makes Pixar uh, executives so good. Like they, That line is the perfect encapsulation of the journey of all these toys, of their relationship between the toys and Andy for the three films. Uh, I love it. Uh, Toy Story 3 is a near-perfect film. I think it is the perfect sequel you'll ever get to a movie. It's great. Yeah, I just... 
Also, I think it's worth bringing up the scene that really screwed me up as a kid was um, the trash compactor scene or the trash fire scene. Because, like, you can tell they just, like, accept their fate. They're like, we're going to die. At least we're going to die together. And, like, yeah, they get saved. But, like, you can tell, like, they accept it. And it's it's kind of really depressing, even as, like, a kid. And now they won't die together because Woody left all the toys in Toy Story 4. But that was a beautiful moment. Oh. Well, can toys die? Well, I guess they can die. <laughs> and I, I'm not going to use this time to defend what Toy Story 4 did. I already did that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. All right. Are we ready for our number one here? I wonder what it's going to be. Yeah, in a world of all these Pixar films that were in the list of winners from the Oscars, uh, the movie that came out on top was Sony's only win, I believe, and that is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse which uh, Trex has at five, and me and Tristan both have at one. Really? Both of you at number one? I love this movie. I am... Dang, like, y'all got your number ones. My number one got knocked down a lot. <laughs> so your number... Was it Speeder in a way? Yeah. Uh, I thought so. I thought that was your number one. That's, uh... Nice, cool. No, I, I mean, I think this is totally deserving of the number one spot. Yeah, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody who doesn't like Spider Man Spider Verse. I don't really know what you wouldn't like about it. It seems out of everything you, you would look for in a movie. Uh, Miles Morales is a fantastic protagonist. Uh, I, I think immediately you get enamored with his story and, and, and his, his struggle um, with you know, being raised by a single father, going to a private school where you know, doesn't quite fit in, of course, because. Miles Morales and Spider Man never really seem to fit in anywhere until he, he gets this magical spider power and, and runs into a bunch of other spider folk and a um, chaos ensues. And it's this movie's fantastic. This movie's, we were, we were calling it Toy Story 3 as close to perfect of a sequel as you can get. Spider Man to the Spider Verse is close to perfect of an animated movie. It's got, you know, action, comedy, characters that you love, heartfelt moments. It's, it's got it all. Yeah, I think what makes Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse work so well for me uh, is, is Spider-Man is the probably one of the things I have the most nostalgia towards because uh, I grew up reading the comics. The, the only comics I read were Spider-Man. I didn't read any of the others. Uh, and I love the Sam Raimi film. So I just always had a connection to the Spider-Man you know, franchise. And this film does something no other Spider-Man film you know, uh, that I've seen to do and that was just to create a world that seems so vast and endless that i literally could not tell you what was going on this is this is not like coco or frozen where you can kind of tell the steps by step like this film felt unpredictable it felt vast it felt chaotic uh, which worked really well with the animation style just how quick and fast everything was moving it seemed beautiful and gorgeous when you see the the landscapes and the styles of all the movement of the characters and each character from a different universe looked so different where we had like the noir spider-man the pig spider-man and the anime spider-man and then you had the gwen spider-man and all these different characters from different worlds even though their style and their design is totally different in the world, they still fit and mesh so well. And that's what makes animation so great. This is one of the best cases of animation. I'm pretty sure me and Tristan have said this on a podcast before. Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse would be the movie, I would assume, 
when people go into animation classes, this is the example they show now. Like this is just such a feat of animation. It's so gorgeous, it's so well-made, but there's not a single moment where you're confused. You, you are following it clearly the entire time. It seems so clear on paper, but just in an aspect, like in a bubble, the film feels endless. Like some random pig or some random noir Spider-Man showed up, I wasn't surprised. On the flip side, if you told me that there was going to be some Spider-Man with six hands, I, I, I'd believe you. Like I, There was no limit to this movie. I think that's what makes it fun and exciting. I love it. I've seen it twice. Oh, only twice. I haven't seen it a whole lot. But because it feels so vast, uh, the, the second movie, I'm normally not excited for sequels. I'm fucking pumped, man. Like I am excited for the sequel there is no limit to this franchise or at least to this movie at the moment that i think they they could do anything and i'm on board i'm i'm i'll be their opening night i will be ecstatic i just think this is something you don't get much with animated movies where the styles are so different the look of the movie is so unique that the film just feels special and that's rare to have in 2018 when this movie came out so you know i don't get surprised that much with movies anymore i kind of you know i've seen enough to know how movies work but this movie just was so unique that to feel special in 2018 and to feel so individual compared to all the other movies in this medium uh it's awesome yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I could really uh, add to that. I just think it's like about as perfect of a Spider-Man movie as you can get. And it's weird that it's like the first Spider-Man movie to not be solely about Peter Parker ends up being like the one that understands the character the most. Yeah, I just think like it understands kind of the struggle, the him trying, Miles trying to find himself. Uh, but I also do want to shout out to the other Peter, who I think is just such a great subversion of spider-man but it still feels like spider-man where he's kind of he's kind of just a broken person who still wants to do the right thing it's just he finds himself getting down so much because he's had so much more experience than all the other spider people and obviously uh the animation is amazing i feel like each new time i keep crowning a new what has the best animation on this list winner (laughs) this might be it just because it I love how this new trend we're getting lately of like movies and shows that kind of are they're 3D animated but like they are they are making an attempt to look more 2D like this Mitchell's versus the machines Arcane they all kind of have this style and I really like that and hope it continues for the rest of the decade and I just think like it's about as great as a Spider-Man movie as you can get and it's so great that a movie like this, a movie as unique as this, comes from such a popular franchise that you'd expect the studio above it to like be so much more controlling of. But it really feels like the artists were just allowed to do their own thing. That's a good point. This is like one of the biggest IPs Sony has, and the amount of freedom they gave them is fantastic. And I think, I don't know, I think more superhero movies should make animated films. Like I think Kingpin. The reason why he is so intimidating and so intense is just how over-the-top big and powerful he looks. You, you would never get that in a real movie, in, in a live-action film. Like, I just think animation works so well for superhero films because they are larger than life. They, they are 
so dynamic and interesting that the animation in this movie really plays into that. And not so much the animation, but just the character design of the Doc Ock in this movie is so cool. I about lost my fucking mind when I realized she was Doc Ock. I, I, I had no idea. I was blown away. I, th- I thought it was just some random scientist that they were trying to get some information from. I was through the roof when I realized it was Doc Ock. It was such a cool reveal. And I think it plays on that trope because we assume it's a male Doc Ock the whole time. I think they play into that trope the whole time of unpredictability. There is no telling what this movie can do. And I like it. There's also so many awesome side Easter eggs. Like, I love going, because there's so many small details that they include that they didn't have to, but it just makes this world feel so much more alive. And yeah. uh, it just, like, even just small little things. Like, I remember, oh, it's like this character in this dimension during one of their flashbacks was actually this character in another dimension or, you know, something very small like that. And it just shows just how dedicated the people making this film are to making it the best it can be. I also like the running joke of every time they introduce one of them, they hit, like throw down a, a comic book cover of that superhero, and then they do like a quick uh, rundown of their past. Like it was, it was really funny. I liked it a lot. Yeah, that was a really good way to quickly introduce. Yeah, spider folk that we haven't seen before. Yeah, it was a fun gag. So everything, that's everything for all of the animated winners for uh, the Oscar. Best animated feature category. You know, we ranked all 21 of the winners. Only 21. It was uh, more of a recent category here, but but that's good. If we had to nominate 40, if we had to discuss 40 winners, that, that might have took a little while. So, you know, 21 was a good number. Uh, you guys have anything else to say about any of the winners? Anything about the Oscar category as a whole? No. Pretty good category. I think most of these movies are pretty damn good. Yeah. I think it's like. It's kind of hard to talk about because, like, yes, I'm so sick of Pixar winning and just, like, their domination over this and just how blatantly the Academy just does not care about this category. Like, they don't even try to hide how much they don't care. Like, like um, I saw the clip of them introducing the category this year, it was and it was, like, it was like, oh, all of these films are loved by kids all over the world. Kids love animation, and I'm, I don't know, it's just kind of revealed how they feel about it where they just see animation as a kid's thing and that's kind of frustrating just how they handle this category every year but at the same time i can't deny that most of the time pixar deserves to win like not always but like most a lot of the time at least they deserve to win i just wish they brought in their horizons make just phenomenal animated movies whether the best of the year or not they are consistently fantastic films particularly back in the 2000s and the past few years here, you know, three, four years, they've been consistently putting a really great one. They got a little questionable there in the mid 2010s, but they, uh, they seem to have bounced back. And so it is one hand, unfortunate that Pixar does seem to just keep winning every single year. But on the other hand, they keep pumping out great animated movies every year. And that I'm real happy. Also just like, I think the nominations especially just kind of show how close-minded they are like just think every animated film that comes out according to like from now on until the end of time and it does not get a nomination that means that the academy thinks that the boss baby is more deserving of, of an award than whatever masterpiece gets puts out uh, that's true 
that 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 is true. Are and you saying it's not? Yeah, you 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 think the boss baby isn't better than all those animated movies? I honestly don't even hate the boss baby. That's oh, it's not really even that bad. It's just fun to make fun. Of. It's just fun to make fun of the like. It's certainly not good, but it's not all. Yeah, it, but it's just kind of one of those things where it's like so many of these other studios in other countries are make are just putting their heart and soul into other movies. But they just get yeah. But we have Alec Baldwin acting like a baby. Fair enough. Fair enough. I would unironically put Boss Baby over Happy Feet and Brave. You know what? That's fair. I would too. That that's 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 fair. Yeah. But anyways, that's everything on our end here. Have a, do you guys have anything to plug? Trex, do you got anything you want to shout out? Nope. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. This was fun. This went a long, a while longer than I thought it was. Yeah, actually, went longer than I thought too. I, I thought maybe yeah, three. Hours. Pretty long. Yeah. I was gonna go see a movie at three, so now I kind of have to book it. Okay. Well, yeah, all right. You you go run out tracks and watch a movie. Isn't an animated movie? Uh, yes. Actually, um, oh. they're showing uh, Princess Mononoke in theaters. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, awesome, man. That'd be nice to see in theaters. A good Studio yeah. Ghibli film. If they did this category earlier, uh, it would have been a good winner. But would it have won? Well, yeah, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> you know, there's a Disney movie out that year, I'm sure. Yeah, they probably give it like fucking like what? What year was it? Ninety eight? Probably give it like ninety seven. Ninety seven. But it probably would have been in ninety eight because of the year delay. Right. So it went up against Mulan. It wasn't. Well, that's everything on our end, guys. Have a fantastic day.